Black History Month means many different things to many people. For some, it's about remembrance. Others, it's recognition. For us, I like to say it's about analysis. In this episode, we're joined by Dr. Lucretia Dye, Associate Professor in the Department of Counseling and Student Affairs at Western Kentucky University. I can go on and on about her accolades and certifications and stuff like that, but I'll just say this. She is someone you want to listen to. This woman radiates with knowledge and passion, and we are extremely lucky to have her talk about what it means to be a black woman in higher ed, the psychology of racism, and mental health in the black community. Guys, this episode's about two hours long, so please take your time listening to every second of it. Take notes, do anything like that, and get back to us. We'd love to hear your feedback. So guys, here we go. Enjoy. The goal of the Salumas podcast is simple. Take a candid, objective, and often comedic approach to the human condition. In keeping with this, the use of expletives, crude humor, and references to harsh realities are commonplace. If you find any of this to be offensive, please throw your listening device in the trash. If not, enjoy the show. We are back for another episode of the Salumas Podcast. This is Kalu. This is Chris. And we have a special, special guest today. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, I am Dr. Cree Dye, or simply Cree. Okay. Tell us, tell, I mean, we so can't, you can't just about stop me, right there. I, you know, I oh, am, God. oh, how about I start off with just a lover of life. That's okay. number one. <laughs> Absolutely love life. I love people. I love just everything that life brings. But currently, I am a associate professor at Western Kentucky University in the Department of Counseling and Student Affairs. Um, I train those who are going to be mental health therapists, marriage and family, addictions, any form of therapy that you can think of, school counselors. Those are usually my students. And I also work as a, I, I, I describe it as bottom-up therapist because okay. once upon a time I was a top-down therapist where it was all talk therapy, which is what I was trained in in my formal education. But through my learning and through my practice-based evidence, I became bottom-up where I use yoga and body-based tools and brain tools to help people heal. Oh hell, we can I do, do an that in addition. That. Hey, yes, oh I do God. that in I'm addition to and so <laughs> yoga is like my thing, but it's always like in this pursuit of healing and just being well. So okay. and we're on awesome. that tip with the weightlifting. Yeah, we're always oh, like that's our outlet. Is oh, yeah. power sure. lifting is, oh, we yes. can get into like just how and I, that's what I was just working on um, is just how the body holds emotions and undesired emotions yes. and how we can release through movement, through postures, through lifting, releasing all of that. You know, I'm I'm like. You know, I never pass up an opportunity to talk about my favorite phrase, right? Transient hypofrontality. Oh, yeah. I just want to be like, he heard that. He I'm says it every out. time. Yeah. Tell, yeah. tell like, me about it. It's flow state. Say man. it one it's more time. Transient hypofrontality. Okay. And so it's, this is going to sound, now I feel self-conscious because I already know you know about it. So here, please correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> so it. for me, I see that as... Everything in the frontal cortex, like the things that protect you, and, and I'm doing my air quotes, protect you, um, you kind of throw those all away. And so there have been studies with like extreme sports athletes and all these other people that once they hit that type of flow state, you're actually able to see better numbers and in, in, in sense of like they take more risk, they care mm -hmm. less. Mm -hmm. And so it for me, I am constantly in this chase for that because when I go lift, I'm trying to hit that phase where it's just like, 
if I die, I die. I don't, I don't care what happens or something like that. But it's so rare for that to happen. And when it does happen, I, I swear, I think that's what happened when I almost hit 405 the other day. When I was just like, I lifted and I was like, oh my God, like what happened? This happens to me if I'm driving. Yeah. If I'm like thinking about something and I just get so concentrated and like, yeah. I literally don't know what, like, I don't know how much time goes by. Yeah, you've driven 100 miles and, and just and, right. all yeah, of a sudden. And I'm like, I could have crashed or yes. something like that. And yes. so, uh, like, going back to the extreme athletes, they were talking about surfers and um, they were talking about those guys that go down like avalanches and the ski jumpers and stuff. They said that once they started tracking and uh, getting athletes to try and hit that flow state, mm-hmm. when they did historically, their numbers compared to other athletes who weren't, stu- you know, compared to other athletes that weren't under the study of like sports science, they were able to just blow away a lot of those numbers and stuff like that. And so that's why I'm just like super smacked out on it. I feel like, I feel like I'm a junkie for that. That's all I try to go for now. That's why I picked up mountain biking and I'm just trying to search for that, for that moment. You get out of your own way. Basically. Yeah. I totally get out of your, my own your, way. Your prefrontal cortex is taking that all that. Well, what about, what if you fail? What if yeah. that happens? That's it's like, oh man, way. there's a, there's a 306 pound big ass dude on a mountain bike. Like I don't even think about that. That's when terrifying. I hit my zone. It's, ter- that it was, it's, so a, it's a damn grizzly bear is what it is. And it looks awesome. It's <laughs> like just, a freight train in the woods. <laughs> yeah. But when, when I'm done, I'm just like, I'll, I'll look back and be like, oh my God, I just rode that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just such a cool feeling, but it's such a rare feeling. And I don't know how it happens. I don't know what I need to do. I just feel like I need to put myself in some kind of danger every time for it to happen. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, maybe in yoga, I don't know if that's something that you're like, yeah, all the time. And I was going to say that. So how often do you experience that? That was my question. It's not often, but it takes practice and actually it is available to you. More really? often, right? Oh, so, yeah. so you, can de- you can develop the ability <laughs> just to like everything it. else. Yeah, just like everything else. So, so I don't have to almost kill myself. You every don't single- actually. <laughs> oh, really? it, you know when you were talking. So I do a thing. I just use my chime. Like really? you're over here riding a bike, jumping over a, a yeah, YouTube, yeah, doing I, sweet flips and sweet shit. Kicks. And all I do is use my chime, and I oh, say I'm just going to activate the alpha and theta brain waves. And right now, you know, or I'll use oh, my, my drum. So it's funny. She's that like the say. Jedi Master, right? Hey, <laughs> I'm sitting here like just manipulating your neurotransmitters. I'm just like, what? And just like that, though, as you were describing it, I'm like, oh, you're talking about when I take my chime out, like that yeah. drive. I, and I'll tell people, like, when you're driving down the highway and you don't know how you got from Chicago to New York, yeah. you know, it's like, whoa, I'm here. Yeah. So you're activating the alpha and theta brain waves, and then there's just kind of like, and the way I describe it, and you described it in yeah. your way, but some people would say, I feel like I'm standing at the top of a mountain, arms are wide open, I feel the breeze. You know, this just yeah. this experience, right? Yeah. So there's all these ways to get to it, uh-huh. but you can practice it and get there more often yeah, if you I need, like. Yeah, I need a non-life-threatening <laughs> way to the practice thing, it. But the thing with you is that your prefrontal cortex is running not like all he's the a time. shark, dog. Yeah. He never sleeps. Yeah. Like, Kalu will sleep like... Three hours a night. Four, four to five hours a day, usually. Yeah. And, I, and I feel like a ray of sunshine when I get up. Yeah. But I'll I'll be like reaching out to them at like two in the morning. Like, I got this idea. Yeah. We need to try this. What about this idea? Second guesses and yeah. third guesses. Yeah, and like, well, I'm, that's the part that you get to train. So okay. everything you're describing, I can connect. Like, you know what my husband has said to me? He Some days he's like, you know what? You've thought about more 
in the first two hours that you're awake did not think about all day. <laughs> you're like, it's awesome, isn't it? It's, I'm like, and there's more, you know, like, yeah, it's yes. just like, I don't want to stop either. Yes. Like I enjoy it. So, yes. but this matter of like organizing it and how to utilize it is really just seeking consciousness in a sense yeah. It's just gaining this consciousness and then being able to be in control of like, what do I do with this? Cause it's all energy. Yes. Right. It's yes, all energy. Everything is. is energy. We're all just chemicals reacting. You know, like, it's just Hell all yes, energy. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just energy. And it's like, oh, and I got it. And we create meaning out of it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. See, I'm the opposite. I have to train myself to give a fuck. Whereas yeah. Kalu's like, hey, what about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about that? And I'm, I'm like, like why aren't you responding? I'm why aren't like, you responding? And I'm like, bro, But what on. is that? That's yeah. the yin and yang, right? Yeah. That oh, is yeah. what we absolutely need that. Yeah. Like, we need, we need all of this. We need all this variation right yeah. it's good i just feel like a like an obsessed girlfriend when i'm like chris and chris a, and i don't this idea is but i never stunned it either. yeah like yeah. i never take it personally no. and then when i do get back to him i'm like i give him an appropriate answer yeah yes it's usually three sentences and like i die and, a and then he's on like the inside. oh that's exactly what i need yeah <laughs> yes. yeah so it's, it's just passion yeah. And, yeah and you said like like your husband is like cool daddy about oh everything. my gosh yeah. he's like i'll say well tell me your thoughts about that tell me that he's like I don't think as much as you. <laughs> like he's he's pointing his finger at me like I there's no more thoughts. Yeah. And I'm like, but didn't you think this? And he's like, no. What I told you is what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it's it's actually funny you say that. Like I think about I played softball with your husband and uh and I think about like the way that you describe him. I swear that's the way that he takes sports. He's like a He's just so cool, calm, and collected, mm-hmm. but that dude is a hammer. Right. And I was just like, holy crap. He says like, it. He says it. Even in basketball, he'd be like, I don't need to talk trash. Like, my game will talk. Oh, my God. And that's this so guy, he has a deep conceptual understanding of flow state without even he's thinking about it. He's There Jedi, it is. Man. Yes. Yeah. Especially. Like, he just, it is amazing to watch him, but it's yeah. just real, it's, it's real clear. It's just like, why do, why do I need to talk trash? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sitting here like, okay, he's throwing the ball. This is when I swing. This is when I do this. Like Rob will like. He's mm. just like, it's, it's home simple. run. It's I'm simple. just like, oh, cool. Whatever. It's easy for some yeah. people. It's easy. Crazy. Okay. Okay. I, I can go. We can literally make another episode out of this. But we have you on here because it is Black History Month, and we've got a couple things that we want to talk about. So I want to try and uh, go through the list of the different things. So. Uh, the first thing that we have is just learning about you and the position that you have on campus and being a woman of color and uh, just how it is being, you know, being surrounded by a bunch of white people. You know, I, I, I don't know of any other way. To, I don't know of any other way to say it, but like, true, truthfully, it's. There, there are a few well, of you know, us. You, you know, there, there are elements of code switching yeah, and navigating a, yeah, exactly. social norms and shit. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a legit Yeah, thing. yeah. And so for my dad, you know, we when we moved here in 92, wow. um, he came here and, and you know, he came here to teach at Western. So he was actually offered a, uh, a teaching position at Berkeley and then chose Western. And to this day, I'm just like, what were you thinking, dad? Mm-hmm. But he said, he said when he went out to... He, he saw people like on he saw druggies on the streets and he was like this isn't a place to raise my kids mm-hmm. and I was like but Bowling Green was in 92 92 bro yeah. so yeah so he picked this place and um just the the things that he would tell me he he constantly had to live with a chip on his shoulder mm-hmm. the entire time mm-hmm. you know and you know the looks and having to say the right things but then also because of what he taught it was cultural diversity he 
he also had to like be unapologetically Nigerian all, like all the time. He just, had a lot of work yes, to do. Yes, a lot of work. And people yeah. would be like, you know, we'd go to restaurants and they'd be like, what are they speaking? And mm-hmm. all this other kind of stuff. So like, you know, fast forward 22 years and, the, and he retires and the world is completely different, you know. Mm-hmm. But I want to know how much have you had to deal with because I know it's a completely different story when you're a woman. It's mm-hmm. one thing when you're when you're uh, an African American or just an African, mm-hmm. like that's even an a, African, African, just an African African, yeah. African, yeah. yeah. And um, but now being a woman, what is that like being yeah. on campus? So you said one thing I caught. You said is it, the world is completely different. It's completely different, but still the same in some yeah. aspects. Okay, yeah, still still the same in some aspects. And so I say, I'll give you an example of like you just said, like so when I come into my work and I have to be on. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get to have space for messing up. Yeah. I don't have that space. I don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. And I tell all my students of color that. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have that luxury. When you bring it, you got to bring it. Yeah. Like, I don't have that luxury of just kind of like being lax or chilling or messing up sometimes. That's yeah. that. Yeah. Because the criticism or the evaluation will be more extreme. Do you do you wonder if, if people take that the wrong way that you're always on all the time they're like oh she's too serious and then you're having to toe that line of being like i don't want to say like the straight lace not even angry black woman you know what i'm saying like well i think it's more when i say being on it's like i always have to bring it like bring my best game okay okay meaning i have to bring like the best product okay i see what you and mean balance and, and everything ba- okay. and balance that while like i just I just don't have the space to mess up. So it's like I always got to overdo it. So are you first one in, last one out? No, sir. No. Really? And I'll (laughs) I'll tell you why. Because I've learned that over my life is that first I have to take care of me. And there is always going to be this culture of like whoever is there the longest seems like they're doing the most work. Yeah. It's, it's not that. It's just when I bring my work, I'm going to bring it. And it's going to be full force. And yeah. you all will see my work in this. So we can get rid of that, you know, that idea, that facade, that just because you're here all these hours that there's more getting yeah. done and yeah. your impact is larger. Mm-hmm. Mine is just like I'm bringing my personal best in okay. that work. And yeah. that I don't have the space. The other side of that is I get to show up and they want me there. Of course, usually the woman and the woman of color is desired because we need to meet these numbers as far as like um, I, diversity oh numbers. Man, I, yes. I, I, yeah. So you want me here, but you don't <clears throat> want the whole me here. Oh, what does that mean? So yeah. if I'm sitting in a faculty meeting, you want me here because we need to have a perfect example. I was just asked to be on a search committee for a, a position in our college. Do you know they how many search person. committees I was on when I was working? They was. need that person of color, right? You need. So I'm like, oh, I got to be the melanin. You know, like I got. I know what this is. So, but and I don't want to do it all the time. Like yeah. it's like I, I'm tired of that. I don't yeah. want to be in that. And really, you all have your mind made up. You know what you're going to decide. <laughs> yeah. So why do you have me here? So you can say we have. But I recognize that you need me to be at the table and I'm at the table and you're happy to have me as long as you don't have all of me. So when I come in and bring my whole self, then there's an issue. Really? So I've had, oh, absolutely. So what is my whole yeah, self? Yeah, I was going to say, what so is So that question is, what is my, is my whole self? So this experience, this discussion right here, if I'm at a, yeah. a meeting, this feels like uh, systemic racism. That, please don't you know like everybody's like everybody's frozen everybody's frozen or yeah. when we see that there's a, I see there's a difference in the delivery of services or the support for a student of color as opposed to a student a, a white student yeah. and I point it out it's like oh well you're attacking me because uh, I'm pointing things out so often yeah. 
because, and I can talk just like, uh, just, and you, you all have to know, I will not hurt a fly. Like yeah. I have no fight inside of me in the sense of bringing physical pain on another human being. Like Jeez. I just, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was. by the way, yeah. I'm being straight up by the yeah. way. And I'm, I'm a vegan. Yeah. I practice vegan. So no harm to all, all beans, okay. all beans. Right. So that is me. So I've had colleagues say, well, um, you're attacking me right now. And I feel threatened. Like, I feel like you're going to, I said, so you feel like I'm going to, you think that I'm going to get up and physically harm your body right now. Of course. Oh my so, God. Because I am in disagreement oh. or because I'm bringing my whole self. Yeah. So the other whole self is, of course, I come from a culture where we use our hands, yeah. our, our voice, there's inflection, there's, there's movement in our hands and in our voice. So when I come out completely, then that's not, like, that's why not are you welcome. yelling? Mm-hmm. Why are you yelling? Oh and my I'm God, like, she's so animated. She's so animated. That's the that, term is animated. Well, my, was it because, no, she said, see, when I talk, I'm soft and gentle. And when you talk, you're aggressive and attacking. I would kick someone in the chest. What, what is it? The, the <laughs> RTJ line, you, uh, what what song is it? Is you, it? you talk nice and bomb hospitals, so I speak with the foulest mouth possible. Yeah. A lot of the most poisonous shit is delivered through that. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. Yes. oh my gosh, I see it yes. so often. Okay, so in this movement of of everyone, everything being offensive and everyone being threatening, mm. do you believe that that movement is kind of turning on itself? There, it's becoming the monster that it's it was intended to sort of defeat. Because when I see, you know. You're talking about, uh, I don't want to call it, I'm trying to think of the best way to to sort of word it. <clears throat> okay, so we live in an age where there is hypersensitivity all around the all around the place. People expect comfort. People, yes, people they, expect, they expect comfort to be comfortable, no matter what context they're in. Yes, they expect comfort. And so I think that all of us, I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like all of us kind of grew up in a time where it was like that wasn't there. I, I do think if we associated with time period, I think that after the 80s, like that's a different individual. <laughs> okay. If, yeah, I'm, born, yeah, I'm if you were that. born post 80, like yeah. I, 80 and after, I think it's, a, and not in a negative way, but I do believe like that discomfort, like yeah. some of us have experienced discomfort and it's familiar and the brain knows what to do with it. Yeah. So for a lot of people there, and I see, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not angry at anybody for the way that they are because the way that they are, the way they're showing up is probably how they were socialized to show yes, up, right? Yes. So D- Donald Trump, yes. he's being exactly who he was socialized to be. Yeah. So why be mad? Yeah. Why? There's no reason to be mad at him. Mm-hmm. So the same is true for some people with the discomfort. Like they don't know discomfort. They don't know adversity and how to bounce back and get up out of that and know that that's not going to kill you yeah. or to make it take up your whole screen because one challenge came before you, yeah. right? Do you think that's something that is sort of, uh, it comes with the territory of being black? Which part? Like just knowing conflict and, and knowing how to roll that. So knowing that it's let not me tell you what you. I teach my children and I've always taught yes. my students. I say, you may experience that racism or that, that attack as something that's going to harm you. But the truth is, is it ain't doing nothing but making you better. Yes. Because every challenge, yes. how do you grow? Yeah. You have to be challenged to yeah. grow. You, you cannot be, you cannot grow being comfortable. Yes. You cannot grow sitting here in this sweet little chair and just looking around. Like you Thank need you. a challenge. So I'm like, in, in your mind, you just, need to say, you yes. know what? Come Take on, us bring to it. church. No, Take that's us to how church. I feel sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You need to 
say to them, come on, bring it. Yes. Let me see what y'all got for me now because yes. I'm going to make it through yes. no yes. matter what. Like, And if you know that, and I always say that, when you know what you know what you know, yeah. like I know I'm getting through this, so come on, bring it. It doesn't feel good while it's happening. It does not feel good when it's going on. Yeah. However, you don't even know what you mean to harm me is actually making me better. Oh, okay, so <laughs> how do you translate that into therapy, into wellness, into all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff? Because... This is kind of like what's the term you use? Doing something with a hammer, Chris. What is it? Do what? You say you would say like we're not doing Swat, swatting a swatting fly flies. Yeah, this is like mm -hmm. sometimes you do need to swat flies with a hammer, and mm -hmm. so I can sort of. How do you or do you even have discussions like what you're telling us? Do you mm -hmm. tell this to people that that may come to you for help or when right. you're training other students? Like, yes. look, your clients need to learn to take a L. Like sometimes that's part of the building process. Well, and I, and Everyone... I'll say, and I don't mean to. Yeah, sure. I know you're asking her, but that's an intrinsic part of what I do too. Yes, yeah. teaching them to take L's. Yes. Like, what is it called? Natural consequences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You facilitate, you don't enable, and you mm -hmm. allow natural consequences to take their fucking course. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that any positivistic field that you're working on building people up. Coddling them, you're doing an enormous disservice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. Mm, no, it's good. But I think when I when I think about like how to teach that or how to work with that is just a matter of like it's just life. Like, can we come to terms with like that's just life? Those challenges will come. Is that what you're asking? Like, how? Yeah, do they... yeah. I mean, because it seems like <clears throat> it seems like people feel like they have way more control of life and the universe than they actually should have. Like, I think, I feel like someone's told them like, Oh, you can control whether or not, or no, I got to figure out the best well, it's way like to self -importance. say it. Yes. Everybody's, yeah. That's self exactly what Everybody's walking around thinking that they're thinking the best. That they're little, a demigod of yeah, their own little, that's exactly little stuff. what it is. And, and the thing is, is like, and, and how I like liken it is that I'm not at any loss for self-confidence. Not. I'm just Maybe. fundamentally not. My ego's not frail, but I don't expect other people to see the same thing. You know, you walk around and you don't expect that from other people for them to see that kind of thing out of you. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that other people, generally speaking, I think they walk around and the contingency for their well-being or how they feel about themselves is mm -hmm. how they perceive how you're approaching them. Right. Mm -hmm. and In a lot of senses. <clears throat> and if you are a woman, an academic, a person of color, white people are going to make an attribution. Not just white people. Mm -hmm. People are going to make an attribution based yeah. upon superficial shit. I the presumed like. incompetence. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, oh, it, how and, often it, do you and do it's subconscious. <laughs> and a lot of times I think it's subconscious. They're that like, I'm sure. not racist. But they just make this subconscious that, attribution. Yeah. They they link. Two well, that, that that's yeah. fair. We all do that, and that's one thing that I do try to teach about. And as you were talking, I was thinking about. I'd say know the science. Like know the science in these challenges. What's happening to the brain? We kind of early on early yeah. on talked about the brain and what. So I know what's going on when I'm sitting in the room, and then something familiar. Something feels familiar, like a white female is saying something that feels familiar from when I was in middle school. I didn't have the resources as a black student, but I did have the intellect. So I had the intellectual property. So then homegirl want to work with me because she has the resources, like she can get the items to put the science project together, but she wants my intellectual property. And then she 
she spin that shit and then she's saying that it was that hers. It was all her so idea. I, I can see where when I have a colleague and it's going down pretty much the same way and it feels familiar. Yeah. And there's like this this thing going on in my brain and You're I'm feeling your stamp on it. You're just But like, I'm feeling this like is, this feels like yeah. that when somebody took my intellectual property and then tried to claim it as theirs. This feels familiar. And what's going on with me right now? Like I gotta know the science. Like yeah. I know what's happening with the brain in yeah. that moment. So paralleling that or moving that to every other experience is kind of like when you get to know the science and know you. And when I say the science, I'm saying the brain and know your brain and know what's going on. And I can explain that like, oh, okay, I see what's going on right now. I see why I'm getting angry. Yeah. Have you ever getting angry? Have you ever had to sacrifice your IP just so you can to sort of move forward? Have you ever had to like let someone take your idea or, uh, have to piggyback on onto something that you originally sort of created or something was your idea. You were the one that did it, but someone else because they have the resources because they have the resources. Oh, for sure. I think that's part of playing the game. Sure. Like you got to play the game to win and recognizing that. And then just like kind of surrendering, I've had to surrender to this idea that first of all, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. So I have this idea and I'm bringing it, but there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. It's been thought of before, but Mm -hmm. right now I have it in this way and packaged this way. And do I get upset because they're trying to take advantage of that? Or do I say, really, what's my intent behind it? I want this knowledge and information to get out there. So you know what? It's all good. However it needs uh, to go out there. Now, that's yeah, me yeah. trying to find. <laughs> I know. He's <laughs> like, I ain't. Yeah, but it's really, it really is. But that comes back to me in this sure, piece that absolutely. I have of like, what is my intention? what is my intention in this work that I do or what I'm doing? Yeah. Like if it's really all for the good, then it's all going to be good. And if it's it, like, and we always talk about attaboys and girls yeah. and stuff like that and how that's kind of a toxic thing. If you're working for those, as mm-hmm. opposed to some abstraction, like you're yes. talking about the greater good, mm-hmm. it's just going to be, you're on a treadmill, yeah, a constant, so, like you got to get your fix. Mm-hmm. Have yeah. me on the back. Tell me I did good. Yes. For me, um, and this is because of how we grew up, because legacy is everything in like a Nigerian household. Mm-hmm. Right. And when when my family, when they came to America, I'm first generation American, it's always about leaving your stamp, making sure they know that you did mm-hmm. this because we have mm-hmm. nothing right now. Right. You know, we're, we're trying to build up what other families and other people and other concepts and all this kind of stuff have done a long time ago. So I'm borderline obsessed with having, it's, it's, some it used to border on like dangerous how i would just it, or not so much dangerous just negative where it was like i had to have my name on everything people had to know that i did that right. because again because i've had nothing before mm-hmm. now has it has that it all shifted during you know a lot of things changed you said after you dropped the weight too yeah did that shift as um, well was there any <clears throat> correlation with that no truthfully it it's when i started making more money like I hate to say it, but that's that's what it came down to. Because it was like if I didn't have, if I wasn't getting the monetary satis, or if I wasn't getting monetary satisfaction, then it was like I had to go full one hundred and fifty percent on getting the name, the recognition, all the other stuff. But then it's it's it really speaks to that quote about how not even a quote that concept about how money can shut people up, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there there are times where I've kind of let the reins back because it's like, I'm getting paid. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, I'm okay to admit that it sucks, you know, but that's something for, and for me, and if you look at my previous, uh, position, like what I do now, I'm, I'm essentially a software sales engineer. And so 
before that, I was in product development. So I was always coming up with stuff. So picture me and coming from that mindset of having to have the legacy, having to have mm-hmm. something like you're always just coming up with stuff. Everything is your idea, mm-hmm. you know? And then when it's like I had to put that part away and then there's more money there, I'm kind of like, oh, I still I still work in the same company, but it's like, I, you know, I, I don't complain about it as much anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I, still there, I still think like, oh, I would Well, the reward better. shifted. Yeah, but I, for, I don't think that it's a good thing that the reward is just like money. Well, they, don't you away. think that there can be like, I mean, if you look at it on a continuum, there can be this flow of like sometimes in our lives during this season, here's the reward that's really like giving me life. Yes. Like I'm digging this and this is mm-hmm. what I need. And even if you talk about like that cultural experience, that context of why the name on everything, because mm-hmm. y'all need to know, like you need to recognize this is me. Yes, exactly. And you need to recognize who this is and where he's from and what he's about. And then you go through this, these phases or these like seasons in your life where you may, that may be necessary or, or may be more valuable and more, you strongly need that. And then there's times where it isn't that way. So, yeah. but I think it's beautiful. Like how we can move in that. Sure, sure. Right? And, and something, duality. There's a whole lot going on, or, or there's a whole lot to be said for the fact that, you know, you acknowledge and you take extreme accountability for things that somebody might perceive as, you know, not necessarily the most uh, the most beautiful endeavor. Chasing sure. money, whatever. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I know you on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're not motivated by money. But yeah. that is a high that you get. It is a high. Yes. And and it's totally okay for you to have that high cuz I have the I have things if I'm trying to self check on stuff, if I take inventory of things, I could say, well this could be construed as negative or this could be construed as negative. Mm-hmm. I think as long as it doesn't disparage another individual, I think it's Sure. you're good, man. Sure. But, so, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Well, and I was going to ask you, he and I talked a lot about uh and, and you said something that that reminded me of what a former social work supervisor told me um no matter how bad things get or how poorly someone treats you whether it be a client a colleague a judge whatever people do the that she sincerely believes that people do the best they can within a given context Mm -hmm. because we are essentially and again this goes back to some semi-dogmatic shit that i preach Mm -hmm. we are essentially the collective of our genetic predispositions acted upon by every factor leading up into right now you know, socialization, acting upon genetic predisposition. Uh, some of these behaviors that we see, like we talk about racism and mm-hmm. things like that, I see memes shared on Facebook. And even before memes were a thing, you would see posters that were like, racism isn't learned. And it's got a bunch of kids of different races and ethnicities. And they're hugging each other yeah. and stuff like if that. Racism is not learned. But... You know, coming from psychology and sociology background, and even in sociology, Mm -hmm. the acknowledgement is nature and nurture. There's Mm -hmm. reciprocity between Mm -hmm. the two. There is something patently unscientific about making the assertion that it's not possible for somebody to be born with a genetic predisposition towards being suspicious of somebody that looks different than themselves. But I, I feel like the social norm holding people accountable because it's not okay. Any way you paint it, it's not okay. Even if they can't help it. I think the social norm is to assert it's taught. And then there's no more discussion after that. When I feel like from a therapeutic standpoint, if somebody, if we were to investigate it in terms of there being maybe some kind of deeply ingrained 
suspicion or predilection towards suspicion towards people that look different than yourselves, we might be able to address things differently. Um, I didn't know if you might have any insight into that. Yeah, we, we were really, talking about that. We were like, what do really, you think? All it's been, because we, we, as soon as we came up with that idea, the only people that have come up with that idea has just been us and like some of our asshole meathead buddies. Like, there, yeah. So <laughs> there is some literature out that kind of, and there are so many directions that yeah. ha, have been taken as far as like how it's been conceptualized or just how it's been discussed. So I was just trying to think, like, which one should we go with or which direction? All of them. In in the sense of, like, so are we talking about, you said people and their predisposition of, like, just having a suspect or kind of looking at people with, a like, a, a side eye with question, questioning people and their value? Well, like, okay, for example, if we were to look at ourselves as just as organisms, let's take the human element out of it mm -hmm. and compare ourselves to any other organism, mm -hmm. take humanity out of the equation, there are organisms based upon environment right. and whatever particular gene pool that they're working with that develop behaviors that are consistent with that. Some of which is to be more shy or more standoffish towards perhaps an outgroup member, something like that. I don't think that it's, Oh, and then like, uh, what is it? The, uh, the Island that, uh, the missionary just got killed. Oh, um, Oh, the people. Uh, that, yeah. Yeah. Gilligan's. <laughs> God, get out of here. Brandon's like, <laughs> by the way, this is Brandon. <laughs> Brandon. Brandon in the back. But the guy, he went to go and like save these Right, natives. yeah. And, and yeah. he was like, uh, it was like a white, half white, half Asian yeah, kind yeah. of dude. Looked very different than these individuals. They aren't socialized. There's not people walking around them for them to even make that comparison to. I'm sure there's lore like... You know, somebody that looks like this is the devil or something like that. I'm, I'm sure that's plausible. But there's not um, a foil in their little individual society of somebody of that complexion for them to even draw any kind of prejudice towards or compare it to. As soon as they saw that cat... They killed him. They killed the hell out of him. And I would wager to say anybody, again, that looks different than them, they would do the same thing. I, I just... Or just Sentinel. historically, they may have a, a learning that, and historically, like people who have come that look different, it has it hasn't it's done us. Oh yeah, it, it hasn't ended well. Right. Sure. So, and, and then that's also the thing is people that are more suspicious or less likely to reach that hand out, and shit like that has popped yeah. off, are more likely to pass the genetics on as well. Mm. It's just I I can't help but discount that there's like there might be some sort of biological component to some of this. What amounts to mental illness when you're talking about There certain... is an article titled uh, Racism as a Clinical Syndrome. Well, oh, I, I, I so, so, let's talk about that. It's a great article. Well, it's, it's really <laughs> looking at white people and just how they can perceive themselves as, and the socialization of it all, but it being a clinical syndrome that you would be okay with just harming another, just looking at another individual and seeing them as a threat based on the way you see them. You've created them as a threat in your mind. And usually what you do to them and how you oppress them, you're continuing this idea of them as a threat, but it's all in your mind. It all started from your mind, like what you decided it to be. So that was one article, mm -hmm. racism as a clinical syndrome. But I love Dr. Edwin, Nick Edwin Nichols work. He's talking about just culturally, just um, Europeans, those of European descent and those of African descent. And he's talking about the acquisition of knowledge and logic. So he's talking about as Europeans, there's an acquisition of object is what it what's pursued. Okay. As Europeans, there's an and or. Okay. 
And then for those uh, particularly um, African American, people of African descent, Latino, there's more of a collective, and we all hear about the individualist and collectivism, but he's saying there is no and and or, it's both and. Like just Mm. the way we experience a lot of things, there's a both and, and it's not an acquisition of knowledge. There's more about the relationship. So he has this whole chart about that, and it's beautiful, and it kind of helps understand that. Um, and explain some of those things. And again, what what work is this? Oh, Edwin uh, Nichols. Edwin okay. Nichols. I just took a note of that and, to, and sent to him so we. So can... you all have to look up that form. The form is a. Uh, oh, here it is. Um, the philosoph- philosophical aspects of cultural difference. I like right. his work, Doctor Ed- Edwin Nichols. He has videos and everything about. So he's talking about the value system and the methods of knowing, and then also the logic. Mm-hmm. So, for us to just step take a step back and kind of look at, I like looking at it at that, that way. And then he also talks about like just the origin of location and where you were and why for the European is it like self-worth is determined by the number, the size and the monetary value of the object. But then this acquisition of object, if you are living in a region where resources are limited, right? it's all about getting, but if you're living, like he references like people of African descent living in this, this land that's resourceful, many uh, many parts of Africa being resourceful like it's a completely different experience yes. right so then you can line it up with like like just geographically like that affects who yeah. we are and how we show up right yeah the anthropological element as people spread yeah. into Europe which is not really designed for mm-hmm. our naked bodies to be yes. you had to be a little bit more cutthroat about yes. shit. Yeah. I just love it all. Like even thinking about, and I talk a lot about with my students of like, for us in bias, that's real. So for everybody as a human being, why do, and I say our brains are basically our bodyguards. Mm. What do I mean by that? Our brain is always looking for the threat. It's not always looking for the good. Really? Our brains are always looking for the threat. Did you all know that? No. Why <laughs> is that so? Cause all of us once upon a time on the Serengeti, right? Um, we had to look for these acute stressors like a lion. Oh, that's something that's about to eat me. I need to survive. So boom, the brain is always looking to keep you safe. So it's, uh, it's that search for homeostasis in the same way primary. that we talk about. That's like, the primary everything. thing that the brain wants to do. Yes. So it's always looking for, it's looking for what can be a problem instead of what is good. Okay. So, so for your, and I'm just want to, it functions it functions on an efficiency model. Okay. So it's always like what is what is what could be a problem and how can I keep that that homeostasis? How can I keep this body safe? So it needs something negative. It needs a threat to understand what is right or what is better. It'll see that first and then we got to tell ourselves. Like she said efficiency <laughs> model. Like we yes. always talk about the the mind, the body, the human body and mind is is lazy. We're going to mm-hmm. we're going to take the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Always. And to assess somebody as a threat is a much easier thing than to invest, Mm. essentially, to see if they're an ally or something. Everything can potentially be a threat. And then also, the brain and the way it functions on an efficiency model, you all know this, that we see with our brains and not with our eyes. So if we're thinking about things that way, we symbols are important. Mm-hmm. We definitely know symbols before anything else. And then experiences. So you think about neuroplasticity and the neural nets and just the firing and wiring. If I had an experience where I once, when I was a little girl, there was a man with the same build as you, maybe the same bone structure, hairstyle, and it was a negative experience, my brain's going to recall that. Just like mm-hmm. I was talking about the scenario when I was in middle school, my brain's going to recall that and say, oh, hey, you might want to pay attention because that feels familiar or he looks familiar. 
So now there's an issue. So when you, and I tell my students this, you're not responsible for your first thought, but you are responsible for your second and what you do with that. Okay. So somebody else taught you. And and, and, and so I teach social and cultural diversity, but the most important thing when I teach that class is teaching. I got to make sure that people feel safe. If everybody don't feel safe, like the white students, especially. Yeah. If they don't feel safe, we ain't learning. Ain't nothing going on. Ain't, there's no healing. There's nothing that's about to happen if you don't feel safe. Okay, but what about in what about once they get out of higher ed when there are when there are no safety nets? There are there isn't any of that. Well, hopefully, and and that's really where we go and and go into self and think about the science of it. What's happening to my brain right now? Like right now, I am experiencing this person. I'm aware now that I'm uncomfortable with them. And what is this all about? And then I can choose to take responsibility for, and most of my students are sitting in class and they're like, yeah, my grandpa's really a good man. He, (laughs) he, he hates black people. He's 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 a really good man. We call that, we call that dumbass people. That's what we call it. However, however, he's being exactly who he was socialized to be. And based on contextual things, we know why grandpa is like that. Now, grandpa probably taught you to hate black people. Mm -hmm. Now, what you get to do now that you are being taught something different, you're responsible for what you do with it. And that's it. Like, there's there's nothing else to talk about. Do you still give grandpa the allowances then? Oh, did you all know that I have a white granny? So my dad is white. My mom is black. Okay. So I grew up in these two different worlds. Mm-hmm. So here is here here are my two different worlds. I have my black family who was very Baptist, um, lower socioeconomic because of the context. They moved up north during the Great Migration. I have my white family, my dad, a white male with white parents, more affluent, wealthy. So my granny still to this day, I have to say granny. She'll say, oh, I told so-and-so that I have a granddaughter who's a mulatto. Oh, I say, Granny, oh Granny, Mulatto, Granny, Mulatto is derogatory, <laughs> right? We probably said Mulatto on the show, though. I'm sure. Yeah. But I say, Granny, that's a derogatory term. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't want. I don't. I'm so sorry. A couple weeks later, yeah, I was talking to so and so. I told her, you know, Sarah's a Mulatto, Granny. That's a derogatory term. So <laughs> Granny is being who she was. So Granny there. is contextually and the time that granny grew up, that's why granny's saying that. Do I think that granny really is trying to hurt my feelings? And, and you know, do I think she does not love me? Granny, it's not okay for you to say that, but that was the making of a white woman and what she learned. And that's who she is. Okay. So well, remove the dad- fact that she's a, your granny remove. If you saw, <laughs> if you just saw Edna out at Kmart, say something like, how do you treat that situation? See, that's the same thing to me as the, the governor of Virginia right now. Oh, yeah. So, do you know? Oh, so, yeah, big old big old but I brought it up. I brought <laughs> it up. I posted it out there to Facebook. Like, do we believe that people have done things? Have you done things in the past that you regret or you just weren't educated? You were ignorant. Yeah. And I believe, like, he, at that time, he was being exactly, exactly who he was socialized to be. And now it's a new day and he probably looks at it and he may not feel that way anymore. However, he may not feel that way, but how does he show up to show that that's not a part of his, his ideology, right. his beliefs how and things like that? How do you unpack that before everybody yes. else? Yeah. How, how do you get ahead of it? Because we this generation is very different. Literally this one, this current one now is very different from even ours because They've had their their entire life on the internet, mm-hmm. where we before you couldn't figure something about someone ten years ago mm-hmm. for for any of us. You know what I'm saying? So how do you sort of joust with that? Because yes, the smart thing to do is to get ahead of it, 
But when you have just grown up being like, okay, that's part of the past. The court of public opinion yeah. is in full effect at yeah. all times. And now. then someone just, you know, some 18-year-old brings up some stuff because they dug and checked database upon database. No one knew that any of your information was stored in any kind of server somewhere. And then they find this picture or something like mm-hmm. that of you. Like, how do people joust with that? And, and so that's the part where we do have to acknowledge that, one, no one should have 24-hour access to your emotions. And your beliefs, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly I got you what, on yeah. that. I got right? you. But that's right exactly that. what we yeah. so think about mental wellness in that regard. Like when I can be sitting here with dinner t- with you all, and then I pull up something on my phone, and boom, I go from here to here because I just saw this, and then I scroll down to see a little different. So just think about all just all the variety that happens in regards to your emotions just that quickly. Like, so what do we get from that? Yeah. Mostly, most people are unstable. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. in their yeah, emotions, yeah. Yeah. most people easily are un- manipulated. Yeah, it's constant though. Yeah. And until we pull back and like sit with yourself, and that's what I tell my students that I train. Like, I do not know how you can go sit with another with the hopes of facilitating this process of them healing, like with mental mental health, when you haven't sat with yourself. Mm. Like, I don't know how you can sit and hold space for another when you haven't sat with you. Yeah. So most of us, so when we think about like that young person you're talking about. They don't, they don't know. Everybody is just kind of like, they leave their soul when they go to the social media and they're just doing stuff. How okay. many people are grounded and centered and stable and know who they are? Yeah. And, and something that, that you brought up just a second ago that made me think, and again, he and I come from the social department and like to frame things up in those terms, but the power of reciprocity of perspective, mm-hmm. how you assume that somebody else views you. Because you don't know 100% mm-hmm. how they view you. Mm-hmm. You can only make an assumption about how they view mm-hmm. you. And a lot of times that's not even correct. It's not even correct. And how I, has that affected you in your in I your have day all day? my students read The Four Agreements. I don't know if y'all know that book, but y'all need Mm-mm. to read it if y'all haven't. So it's a simple book. Yes. But the first agreement is um, be impeccable with your words. The second agreement is don't take things personally. The third one is don't make assumptions. And the fourth one is always do your personal best. So hey. two and three need to be. I think that a lot. They, I, I absolutely think that. And I hate saying this current generation because I'm only 32. It can lose sound like get off my lawn. I'm, I'm Mr. Get off my lawn right yeah, now, but it's yeah, just like yes. it's just hard, man. Like, it's not really that hard though, and we I, made them that way. Like we we made like that's the thing. I do I do get a little bothered when. Someone from a different generation has an evaluation or criticism for someone from another generation. Let me tell you why that bothers me. Because I think about like you are who you were, you were socialized to be and that's who they are. So why are you upset with them? I think for one of the things that we say is that each generation is a response to the one before it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I think that there's just there's a couple of differences between ours and and the ones that are in, you know, that are out there now. And the one thing that we've seen is that there hasn't, well, right now we are living in a time where there is, there hasn't been this much peace and, and ever, ever, there well, hasn't been war, and I've said it before. The allu- no- the, as far as yes, our I'm role, yeah, like, we're yes. pretty insulated. Yeah, there's a I'm lot saying, of shit oh, popping off. Say, yeah, yeah I'm, saying, I'm saying like there's no existential threat like a Hitler or a Saddam. Or but like there some, is. They're yeah, just that, not right here in exact, front of you. That's the thing. And so mm-hmm. I'm saying that the, the new war is the one that's being fought within in, in America where there's it can't be fought with soldiers. You can't draft people 
right. to go and fight it. Well, you can't go and send people off. But what is happening is America's trying to figure out who the hell that it is. I, I really believe those wars you're talking about, both internal and these external wars, they've always been, there's nothing new on their sun. They've yeah. always been going on. They've been going on. They Both are going on right now. Uh-huh. But what your experience is, you observe like more geographically close to you are those with internal because you're not over in Syria right now, right? Sure. You're not in some of those spaces. And so that's what you see. Oh, yes. I'm, t- I'm referring to just America. Right. Yes, and yes. here in the U.S., that's what you see. However, how where do we have this promotion of this look and this 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 space to just really go and explore you? Where is that promoted in our culture? Oh, at it's all? not. It's mm-hmm. it's it's tap in and lose yourself completely. Yeah. And we always talk about if you're not an active, active participant, participant in your own life, right. somebody else will feed your time away from you. Somebody mm-hmm. else will will pull it away. And have mm-hmm. access to your emotions twenty four hours. It's yes. a commodity, and it all it, that's what we're all are. We, we we are chemicals react and there's this money that's being made. There's just these energies. That's why I love marketing. There's these energies. Yeah, there's <laughs> yes. just energies that's been, that are being passed around and you get to decide if you want to participate or pull out and how much you need to be involved in and how much can you pull out. Like, it's always going down, right? Mm-hmm. So think- how, how were you during the whole... <laughs> During the Colin Kaepernick thing for for kneeling and standing, when when we we were seeing people really get tapped into their emotions God over stuff, stuff, it. and then now we're in this point where I, I if I ask some you know any just random, I'll I'll give you this story. So I was sitting down at um at Lost River Pizza, just enjoying mm-hmm. my enjoying my time with myself, eating some wings, watching football. I was watching my Eagles go Eagles on the fan. What are you smiling about, Brandon? Huh? Huh? <laughs> Brandon's got a nice little. I green. heard wings and I got real excited. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but there was I was sitting down and this lady sits next to me, older older white lady, right? Says, "Hey, what's your? Do you have a team?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm a diehard Eagles fan. I, you know, I, I love them. Blah blah blah." She, and then little pause goes. She's just like, "You know, I'm," and I, I already know what's coming. I already know what's coming. She's like, I just don't know about the whole kneeling thing. You know, I just, I can't watch it, you know? And it's just like. And she felt like she was probably being real she, forthright she she was being and really, genuine. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there like, you really, and, and I was, I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I said, um, we talked back and forth and I was like, well, I think you guys were taking your bras off and burning them. In, in like in front of everyone so you wouldn't so you can sit here next to me and tell me how bad it is that some black dudes are kneeling for the anthem like I feel like people just forget about that mm-hmm. like you just forget oh, yeah. about whatever mm-hmm. happens you history know? And nobody learns from history and I, this is why no, I we stress that we need to understand history mm-hmm. because I think that this kind of stuff if you had that perspective you wouldn't come at me with some dumb shit like that like mm-hmm. are you serious you you do not get that they're that they're cause is a legitimate one mm-hmm. just like they they're kneeling for the anthem at, when a veteran told them hey mm-hmm. this Maybe is actually this. you mm-hmm. should probably kneel you mm-hmm. were burning your damn bras and and like we aren't setting anything on but fire it's, but the thing is is we're trying to make rational sense out of an irrational response oh absolutely yes. but then the, the other side of like it sounds like like you're more frustrated with her lack of awareness yes than just this and that's what most people don't know like these arguments are more about they're getting frustrated with other people's lack of awareness and inability to see each other. Mm-hmm. Like that's what everybody's getting frustrated with. That's that's what I see it as. Really? Like th- they're upset because you're not able to see me, and it, it's really bothering me that you just keep like you just have this lack of awareness that yeah. is just. Is all it inability you see- or is it unwillingness? 
So I, I do think that there's two sides that, cause some people will say it's an unwillingness. Like, like I don't believe that here's a good one. Y'all. I do not believe that a lot of white people that show up as racist. I don't think that they have the ability to not be, I don't think that they know that they're racist. And when they do know that they're racist, they don't know how not to be racist. Okay, here's a perfect example. Yeah. Check this out. Yeah. So you all know, you everybody has a family. Think about when there's a firstborn in a family. Like what happens when there's a new baby coming? What happens? Everybody's going Everyone crazy. Everyone rallies. Everybody loves this baby. And this baby is the most important baby. That's little Johnny. Johnny is the most important baby. And the world is built around Johnny. Everything we see is let's do this for Johnny. Let's do this for Johnny. Johnny experiences life that way. He sees everything is about him. Everything. He's socialized to believe that. And then comes a second child. Now that's sh shaking shit up for Johnny, right? Mm -hmm. So then the parents have to figure out how to do it. But Johnny, all his life, all he's known is it's all about me. So the same thing is happening with Mother America. Like oh. Mother America, oh, like white, wow, these white beautiful. babies believe that it's always been about me. Everywhere I look, I see me in the news. I see positive things about me. When I go to school, I see me, me. Everything, Disney princesses Every shit. single thing is yes. about me. So Mother America, she got some more babies. And so the white kids, the white baby need to understand, you're not the only child. You need to share some shit. Mm -hmm. It ain't just yours. Yeah. So think about that firstborn. Like that firstborn be messed up, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times when the second child comes along, they want to kill him. They want to like choke, put the baby in the bath. And, you know, <laughs> you need to leave. You messing up my shit. Right? You need Are to you get out of here. Are you from experience here? I'm only child. Uh, okay. <laughs> he was like... But I've oh, observed it. Yeah. I've observed it with like firstborns and how people just like make that person. Y'all better not have no other Don't kids. Have Let me tell you something. I have a first child, and that's exactly what happened to her. And she serious? says it all the time. Yeah, before they came along, oh, you know, she makes no. those kind of comments. Like my mom and dad used to before she came along, right? Oh God, it's real. Yeah. It's, so that's that's why I'm like I'm not angry at white people for showing up the way they do. Why would I be angry about they are being exactly who they were socialized to be? And, and who they continue to be socialized to be. For, for my son to say one day, he's riding down the street, he's like, when do I get to see pretty black girls? Everywhere I look, if I look at the magazine... <laughs> Go to Atlanta, bro. <laughs> Atlanta. It's not involving the about, he, said, he said, when I turn on... The, when I look, when we were standing in line at the, the magazine, there's no black girls on the covers. Yeah. There's no black... When I look on billboards, there's no black girl. Everywhere I look, I don't see any black girls. Yeah. So he was like, when do I get to see them? And he's like, this was when he was like nine. Yeah. You know, and, and so think about that. Like he's being socialized and that's a whole nother conversation about how men and women and black women and, and black men and all of that. But if, if that's not what he sees, what does he see as beauty? Oh. It's a white female. What do mo all of us see as a beautiful woman? Right? I was like, you don't want us to. <laughs> no, I'm saying what's advertised, what's put out yeah, there. Yeah, what are sure, you? Sure, yeah. What yeah, are the images? Because yeah, really, is, that's all that matters yeah, yeah. is the images, and that's what we take in. Sure. And that's what we know. As mm -hmm. and that that's what becomes familiar in our mind, right? So, dang, yeah. Mother America, we need you to do something. Well, and something else that I wanted to touch on because you, uh, and I, I forget what it was that you brought up, mm -hmm. but we. Oh yeah, it was your gripe with potentially the the next generation, the, oh, the issues right. going on. There is something that is kind of unprecedented in the history of mankind, whereby throughout the totality of humanity, we've kind of had a hierarchy 
regarding age. Mm-hmm. Like your elders mm-hmm. have, ex- if you've lived this long, you've experienced this, mm-hmm. you know this, mm-hmm. and you are a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. We are now in an age where a 60-year-old completely, yeah. you know, you, you, you all the way there. 60 is not that old. Yeah, yeah. All the way there does not, is not nearly as savvy on yeah. t- like technological devices, yes. accessing information as like an 11 year old is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so now you've got this untethered mm-hmm. access to information mm-hmm. for people that don't really know what the hell to do with it. It's like, it's call power. It. It's it's this call power. It. Use dangerous. the term that you used in our in our last episode. What was mm-hmm. You called the chimpanzee with a machine. Gun. It is. Mm-hmm. You giving all these little kids mm-hmm. unabated access right. to the wealth of humanity's knowledge, mm-hmm. and not only does that get them in trouble on a one to one, it also does so kind of disrespect towards mm-hmm. people older than you. You're like, what the fuck do I need you for? Mm-hmm. I can look it up on Google, Grandma. Yes, mm-hmm. Grandma, you ain't shit. Mm-hmm. How how do how but does that's that connected to values, right? Okay. And what we value, that's connected to values. Yeah, no, where, I I agree. Where yeah. I would love to sit at the feet of elders, you know, yes. like and just listen and listen yes. and listen. That's what we're taught. We well, we yeah, live through our stories, babies. Right, yes. right. That's why I said. Yeah. After eighties, y'all just like the last, like y'all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the end, you're like, y'all. You're like, Hold on, I, I know. <laughs> that's why we. That's why they even came up with the term zennial because mm-hmm. legit mm-hmm. society knows <laughs> that we're not exactly the same yeah. Yeah. as the millennials. We're we're more similar to Generation X, but we jumped onto the computer bandwagon right. real quick really quick i i got i think it was that original shit but was it busy b some mm-hmm. little like mathematical mm-hmm. program when you i was kindergarten i think mm-hmm. first thing yep and that was the very first computer that was implemented in a classroom and it was my very first classroom yeah but see the issue is we we take our values from our group mm-hmm. and then we don't like that they don't have the same values. So that's that when you were saying about these different generations like different doesn't necessarily equate equate to deficient, right? Sure, absolutely. So but that's the thing is like we don't like that, that so it's different and we're mad and we don't like that what they're what they're valuing when really it comes down to that. Like and and depending on like Everything we do, it serves a function, and every generation and what they do and how they do it, it served a function during that time, right? It served the stuff we do. It serves a function in our lives, and that's why we do what we do, right? Hey, and and I was going to ask, uh, you know, you're talking about people, essentially, a lot of the stuff that they're saying and the racism being almost endemic to them, and then being uh, uh, unaware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I lost my It'll come back. Uh-huh. Oh, I lost my train. You got to breathe through it. You got to take some deep She's about to therapy you right now. No, it'll come back. It will. You, you gotta, just, you got to like be zone, patient. Man. It'll come back. Because I'll sit here, because I, I could tell Kalu's all excited. Kalu's like, yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, let me, all right. It'll oh, come back. All right. So while he's thinking about that, I do want to talk about the perception of mental health in the black community and, and yes. in other communities all of communities, color. right? How, why is it, Chris and I were talking about it that like it's it seems like it's okay for for white guys to talk about mental health more than it is uh, for like black people and, and other people of color. It seems like the you know he and I were were saying that like in your in Chris's field it's predominantly white people that are doing the therapy and they're mm-hmm. helping people out and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But but we're providing services to a yes, disproportionate to a, amount of people of color. Exactly. So when you're getting services, you're not getting services from somebody who gets it. Uh, yeah, that mm-hmm. you perceive as mm-hmm. somebody who is an ally or somebody you can identify with. Right. So you know, how do we sort of 
or what are your views on just on the perception of mental health and just recognizing it? Because uh, this isn't, I guess maybe this is a mental health thing. Maybe it's more of a disease type of thing, but my mom's dissertation was on, um, it was on uh, Alzheimer's in Nigeria and how they thought it was like a curse. Right. When, when obviously it's not, Mm -hmm. but in other communities where it's like, if, if, if a black dude's depressed or something like that, how do we sort of handle that? Right. You know, what are your thoughts on There's that? There's just so much, so much with that. And I'm trying to think where to start with, because I, I don't know how to think about something without the context, like the whole story, the big picture of it all. And like even going historically with like, if you're talking about African-American people in this country. Yes, I'd love, and to, like, I'd love to If we're starting that. there and just going back to like who the African-American person had to be when they were enslaved, you know, like if we just move through that and then even what was acceptable and how the African-American person, how religion got introduced to them as that's uh, the way to heal you. fatalism kind of. Man. Oh yeah, my that's goodness. What it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but before, but before yes. think about this as African people. And this is what I tell my students, especially my students of color. Like you all are taught that African people were stolen and brought to this country because of their physical prowess and because of the work that they can do. I'd be like, no, nah, it was the mental, the power, the knowledge that they had on how to like do some shit. Control, they did not know land. how to. Yes, they didn't know how to take care of the land. Not didn't know how to do anything. Nothing. So then if you think about it and what you were pursued for was like your intellectual ability, your power and your way to understand things. Okay, that's one thing. So then when you get brought here and your identity is completely wiped away from you, so now somebody else is teaching you who you are as an individual. So let's look at some of the things that that people who were enslaved were taught. Like, we could just go simple. You were taught that um, you are basically an animal and the benefit of you is for your physical labor. That's it. So emotionally, if I was a mama during that time, I could not be connected to my child emotionally mm. because somebody's going to come. And we can look at the uh, autobiography, the biography, like Frederick Douglass, I was just reading that. Just how I'm going to have this baby, master's going to come, take the baby from me, and I have to figure out a way to let that go and move on. And how often was that it's taught? It's almost animalistic. But, oh, it's all But it's, how it's was it taught animal, that you yeah. have to know how to move on, just keep moving on? Yeah. And I can even look and, and talk about my grandma who passed away in March 2016 and how she just taught us constantly, you just got to get up and keep moving. You got to get up out of that because you're surviving. Yeah. All we're trying to do is survive. And, and so if I put that, couple that with the damage of poverty, the damage of oppression and all those things that are constantly going on. It really is like, we don't have time to be sick. You don't have, you got to survive. You got to make it through. Right. So then let's step back and talk about this discussion of when there's some, um, just the effects of stresses, the stressors on the body and the mind. And it's like, do we go to this untrust, the, the unauthentic white person who we know has used our bodies? I know you all know about Indianapolis, where in Indiana, where they used to just like the brain and mm-hmm. where they put the holes in the head. Oh, so yeah. every mm-hmm. white person who has the resources to help us, do we go to them? Like, really, where do we go in yeah. a sense? If you think about historically as we're moving through the years, where do we go for support? We go and then once, because once upon a time, Christianity was not an act available to us, right? Sure. It was not like the slave, the slave, the white people were like, we're not sharing that with mm-hmm. them. And then when they figured out how they could use it, share it to control Stop jumping off the ships. Yeah. Exactly. A better place yeah exactly. Suicide. So, going now, to hell. so now that gets twisted. And now we think the only place we can go, because really there is no other place to go. 
is go to, to God. And then we see the church as this community as where we get to go practice some of the things we've always known, some of our indigenous practices where we come together, we celebrate, we move. And this is a funny thing. Um, some of my colleagues, especially my site colleagues, they call me like this woo woo person, right? Because I'm very much into the bottom up stuff yeah. and the intuitive stuff. And we, even though our, our culture conspires towards the rational self, right? So the things that we've always known as a people, um, after the Rwanda genocide, they sent hundreds of therapists over there to work with the really mm -hmm. wow mostly those trained in traditional um, therapy here in the u.s right sent hundreds of therapists there you want to know their response to all these therapists coming from the u.s they said why do you send these people here? Were they like get they out don't, they don't want us to heal they asked us to come sit in a room and talk about it no one's up dancing as a community no one's clapping no one's moving their bodies no one's releasing and dancing and shouting which is what we've always mm -hmm. known to do right no one's doing that. Why do you send them here? That's not helping us. Wow. Right? wow. So think about what helps us. We really, we know what mm -hmm. helps us. We know that um, getting up, moving around, like you all said, that those workouts, yes. we know that that helps us. And this is kind of what I, I teach and discuss with. We know that movement helps us. We know that squatting up helps us. We got to get with people and just like really just get together and dance and celebrate and do what we have to do to release it from our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. There's just all these other things that we know naturally help us through music. We know that the drums help us. Right, we know that those things help us. I've seen my dad literally cry playing drums. Oh, and stuff I, I like have, that. I have twelve djembe's and a dundu yeah. set that I will. That is a yeah. therapeutic tool. It's just like whoa. I this cry is, yeah. just playing the drum, and we know that these things naturally help us. And so that's why the church. You think about the, just the black community and the church, like how pathos even, or, it's or just, no, it's it's. Yeah, it's just feeding off of that emotion, that inexplicable element. Yeah, so, so I tell people sometimes, like, when you get, we get into worship in the church, and just, I say this in my yoga classes, when we start to sing together, our, our hearts begin to beat together, right? Yes. So then that experience is happening. So then that's where we see it. The only thing we don't know is the science and the history of what's really going on. We just got what, we, what was given to us. Right. What was given to us? Mm. Like you got this church, you can go to that, but we don't know like who we really are. Yeah. So then on top of that, think about this mental health issue. When I was talking to you all about Dr. Nichols and just our style, and we can put that into education or in any context that we move into when naturally we are a collective and we like to sit, the way we learn is going back and forth discussing. I'm not competing with you, but the acquisition of object has become what we need to go after. And it doesn't fit with us. It doesn't mm. fit. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. Like it's just, that is stress in itself. Yes. When I need to be in a classroom and I need to compete with you when actually our best learning and what I know is the relationship and me and you talking about it is what that prefrontal cortex really enjoys because of my, just historically who I am. So think about all the shit that's coming and none of it is fitting or working with wh who I am. Mm. Right. So then we go to this whole idea of like just the man and who he needs to be, the history of the man, the black man, and how when after slavery and you had a black family together and the white man came and said, we're coming for our taxes and nope, you better not come talk, boy. Let me talk to your wife because he cannot stand because you see me as a threat. So then the black woman is standing there speaking for her family. And then there's this whole shift and transition where the black woman has to speak up, not because the black man is incapable, but because he wasn't allowed to, or he's just about to get, he about to get his head chopped off. Right? Uh, 
So you think about all this stuff and you think about the context and how it moves itself and shows itself. And that to me is what we need to consider when we talk about mental health issues in the black community and why this is so and why the black man is showing up the way he does. Like, and just this deficit model needs to be removed. We need to talk about the whole story, right? If you could fix it, how would you do it? If you could just provide like an instant fix to it, what, what do you think that would entail? So I think, I, I really think my approach is essentially like, like I said, know the science. Okay. Like, first of all, just know what's going on while you're under stress. Like, why are you stressed? And this is really, this is like the realest, y'all. I saw this as a little girl. I had to be like, just as a little girl, five and six growing up, I had my black uncles, I had my white uncles. I had my black uncles, these huge black men, just the kindest, just most gentle, kindest men I ever saw. But if they walk into an environment or walk into their existence is questioned. Mm. Like, just think yeah. about that feeling yeah. to have your existence questioned when you walk into a room. Yes. So what does that do? And then I see my white uncles who can easily show up as assholes, yeah. but can work a room and have no problem navigating that room. Yeah. So just observing this, like, what does that do to the male psyche, the black man? And then when he comes home and interacts with his family and just like, if I want to show up as a human being and you do not see me as a human being, what that does for me when I can't provide and show up and create that meaning like you were talking about earlier just like this idea of like your work and you need to be able to you need to be recognized and like absolutely you need to be recognized but there's a story with all of that yeah. right so just think about that whole context and i just think about like i look at brothers on the block and they just and so i can shift this from look at this like people will say look at this thug look at this man this loser no that dude is a genius he's trying to make it happen some kind of way in the most just the huge just all the challenges you could think of, that brother out there trying to make it happen. Yeah. So it's like we can shift like how we see that and how we work with that, but we got to talk about the context and what we up against. And you know what? And I say it, and people think I'm a loony. I say a lot of shit on here, and I feel like I have to preface things because mm. like I'm like super left-wing socialist, like kind of mm. militant about things. Mm. But a Eurocentric social system is not for everybody. It's not. And that's it's okay. Not. And it is okay. For us to... And that's... When people talk about this diversity and cultural awareness, it's like, are we tolerating it? Or are we acknowledging that, you know what? We need to... Like, I, this junior high school principal has been talking to me about how to work with these students of color who academically just aren't performing. Would you perform if every room you walked into, and that's why I tell my white students, yeah. I say you all, white females, when you walk into this room, if this whole room was a room of Middle Eastern men, every time you came up in here, what you gonna show up like? Yep. How are your grades are? How are your grades gonna look? Mm -hmm. If every time you came in here, <clears throat> and then sometimes you made a comment, they looked at you and just kind of looked at each other and laughed. Like, who do you think you would be exactly. academically? So it's just all these variables, right? Mm. And and we can stop trying to put it on the individuals, but we need to look at the yeah. system. You know, I totally noticed stuff like that in uh, you know, I've this was this year was or twenty eighteen was my first year ever actually head coaching a youth football team and, and I've thankfully got like the kids from the city. Mm -hmm. And it was a completely there were more first of all, there were more moms out there mm -hmm. that were playing both parts mm -hmm. right there. And it was very crazy because um, the, the first of the, of the season, these are, you know, these are all young, young black, you know, young black kids. They, I, I, before the pads came on, I was really gentle with them. I was, mm -hmm. you know, really nice, all this kind of stuff. And they were just like, why aren't you yelling at him? Why aren't you doing this to him? And it's like, I, I told them that, Hey, when the pads come on, 
I feel like it's almost like a suit of armor that they have, not just physically, mm -hmm. but mentally. It's like a context. It, yeah, it, it's mm -hmm. context, just mm -hmm. like what you were saying. Mm -hmm. And so when the pads came on, I was raging out on these kids and they loved it. Mm -hmm. and, it and, and their parents loved it. But then the next thing to deal with is when they got hurt, you'd hear a mom, get up, get up. And I'm like, I don't think he, you know, there was one kid that, um, and this wasn't this, this last year I coached, the previous year, he came to the game and was just like, I don't think I want to play football. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, it's all right. And, and, she, and his mom just, she's pissed. And she's like, he's just mad because he saw his dad get arrested last night. And I was just like, holy crap. You know, yes, it's more of just shitty parenting more than it is like the, the bigger situation. But the fact that that's even a possibility, mm -hmm. that's like, that's that that moment has stuck with me. I don't know if it'll ever go away. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, how do we sort of, how do we fix that part there? Where, how do we start younger? It's not just coaches. I can't be there all the time for, for these kids. I truthfully think that the ownership starts at a very, should start at a very, very young age. And for me being libertarian, I know that I don't need any saving. Mm -hmm. I don't want any government to save me. I don't want any legislation to save me or anything like that. How do we sort of, A, is that a bad idea? And B, if it is a good idea, how do we get people to understand, especially black people, that we do not need saving? We came to America already knowing all the shit. Mm -hmm. We already knew what we had to do. But have, why do we think that... Like, y'all seen Trigger Warning? Oh, I haven't seen mm -hmm. that one yet with no. Killer Mike. It gets kind of hokey towards the end. Sure. But one of the... And I don't mean to interrupt, but one no, of the key things is investing in your own community. Buying yeah. black, investing black, and not even looking at it in terms of... Uh, mutually exclusive or an adversarial type of thing, but absolutely investing in your own folks and mm -hmm. trying to do that. And when it came down to it, it's almost impossible to buy black. I was just going to say, hard. it is almost, like, it really is like, we can talk about that in this dreamy way, but I just don't think we can, we can't, we can't function without each other. Like yeah. both, like it's just what it is. It's really like, I, I really be want to say to white people, W-I-P-I-P-O. <laughs> I want to say, be better than your ancestors, right? Yeah. Because how they show up, but it's still that fear. I, I always had, y'all, I got so much stuff written down. I got one uh, little blog I was writing about, like, uh, white, white fear, black rage. You know, like, be better than you're showing up in this fear that you'll lose access to your privilege or lose control. Like, I don't think we can function without each other. It's yeah. just not possible. So it's like, we can say, buy black. We can buy black, but white people do different. Like you are, you've stolen these resources. You have these resources. And now how do we disseminate it or look at it in a collective way and not just this is mine and this is mine. Cause I don't know if we can just buy black because we have to engage. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and what, what ended up revealing itself is that even a lot of businesses that are black owned are still sourcing right. from white farms right. and things of that sure. nature as well. Oh. Is it, it, there's no way we're all connected. Like that's it. Mm -hmm. We're all connected. We're just all, yes. We're all connected, and we can stop trying to pretend like we're not. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's something that I'm finding interesting is that the term black can can be either mutually exclusive, mm -hmm. or it can be gradiated as well. Mm -hmm. There are degrees of blackness within a certain context, and then there is also the mutually exclusive element of blackness. Mm -hmm. My father is biracial, but I'm not. Black. I'm Melungeon. 
But you will. I'll go around somewhere with somebody. Occasionally, somebody will be like, "What are what you? Are you? Mm-hmm. Something like that." We had an episode on this before. Oh my god! It's yeah. usually clients a lot of times, mm-hmm. and 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 I don't have a problem with it or anything like that. Right. But degrees of blackness, and then my nephew got his. Uh, he did his twenty three and yeah, me thing, yeah. and I'm terrorizing Kalu because I found out. I knew that overwhelmingly. I told him he still can't sit with us. I, well, I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Overwhelmingly, it was Senegalese and Gambian, but there was a little bit of Nigerian. I was like, I'm part Nigerian. Yes, cousin. Yes, and cousin. was like, no. What up, cousin? No. 100%. You still can't say it with us, boy. But, but there, there's a gradiated element to Isn't it. That, but that's with everything. That's just like if you talk to somebody that's from Chicago or from the D, right? Yeah. If Don't they, ask me if how you, much are you from like there. How much, <laughs> let me see how much how, D. Wait, like we're at in the D. <laughs> yeah. Right? So it's just, that's just what yeah. it is. That's just what we do, right? That's somebody from Chicago. Like, we're, but where in Chicago? Yeah. Like, you ain't really from the shy. Yeah. Oh, that's a suburb. Yeah. You know, you off on the side. So it's the same thing, like, with black people. Well, yeah. it, but one of the f- funny things is, though, within certain contexts, I, it, there's the assumption that I'm just Caucasian. Okay. There, there is. And I think sometimes people see what they want to see in you. Um, but what I'm finding is, and it's not to be down on white people, but... Soon as I go around thinking I'm super duper passing and not even really thinking about it, mm-hmm. they have a way of reminding you that you're not mm-hmm. 100% in little mm-hmm. cute ways. And I've said it before on a mm. podcast. I used to date a very uppity little white lady, and I'd sit at the dinner table with them, and I'd be sitting next to her mom, and her mom treated she'd come kiss me on the cheek, treated me all kind of ways, and I knew that she loved me and cared about me, but she'd be like, "Everybody at this table is just so white, and they're nice you, Chris," and I'm like, "Huh." <laughs> Pass the potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that shit, it, for the remainder of the dinner, you're like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Did you ever have in, in your life people kind of remind you that you were something or whatever? Oh, and. Because people tell me, you're the whitest black guy. I'm just like, oh, I'm I hate when people up. say that about you. Yeah, they it really do. Uh, yeah, mad. yeah. I get a little bit mad. Or inside. he's one of the good ones. We had an episode on yeah, that. We, we had an episode called one of the good yeah, ones. Yeah, you're one of the good yeah, ones. Or people call Kalu articulate. He called me one day and said that, that some dude had gassed him up. Some some higher up yeah. type dude had talked to him and was like, man. And and he was hype about yeah. the whole thing. And then the guy was like, man, you're really articulate. And Kalu's yeah. like, oh. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Well, and then I, I went and gave a, I gave a, a, a speech to around, like, maybe it was four or five hundred people. And uh, I, I was approached afterwards by by some African Americans. They were just like, "That was really good what you said. You speak the king's English." And I was just like, "You just killed all my fucking joy. <laughs> it's all gone. <laughs> like, why did why why did it why did it have to come to that? I I get their intent. I was trying mm-hmm. like their intent. I get it. But it's like, damn, when is that gonna go away? Well, Where it's like that constant reminder. I feel like it was doing which part? they were doing more saying you still speak like. It was good seeing seeing a black man up there speaking the king's English. Like I felt like they did more damage to themselves by saying that. And to and me. that's just the the not knowing, like the not knowing of who they are. Let me tell you what I think, because there's there's this literature that's been coming out about all these students of African, like African students that have come here, like first generation yeah. African students that are getting all these scholarships that were created for African. Let me tell you what I think about that. Mm. This is what I wholeheartedly think about. Those African students, those African people who are first generation or second, 
they know who they are, their identity. Yes. They know who they yes. are. Okay. So you I, know. I, I almost so, weaponize that you, in some cases. But you yeah. know who you are. And there, but this is the deal. It's like, let's look at what the truth is. When I call my grandma and when I think about this, I get angry. When I used to call my grandma and ask her about her growing up in Mississippi or even her dad's family, he don't know his family. Oh, he don't know his people because he got moved from this person to this person to this person. None of the African people of African descent here. We don't know who we are. Yeah. Our identity was create started to be created by white people. And then we start trying to find some, but we're still trying to figure out who we are. Now, if you come straight from Nigeria, your family, knowing their identity, they know who they are. And let me tell you what I tell my son. He's a, he's a seventh grader. And I tell my daughters too, this, when he leaves the house every day, I'll be like, who are you? He was like, mom, I'm a king. You know who your people are. You know what mm -hmm. you come from. Like, think about how your belief system and yeah. how you think about you when you know who you are. Yeah. So that I don't I don't even see it negative when black people aren't aware of that because they've been taught somebody by somebody else that the king's English is yeah. like, that's where it's at. You know, somebody else taught them that. But really, you know who you are mm -hmm. like you're. And, and when I say that, I'm saying your parents told you these are the things we value. This is your purpose and you can have hope. Right. So all of that is there as opposed to some people who are still trying to figure it out. Yeah. And, and we don't have to like I'm not. It, it's just what it is. I'm yeah. not criticizing black culture or criticizing like the history of black people. It's just what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I'll Kalo, say also. Go, for, go ahead and tell them what your whole name is. again. Oh, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> Kalo Akomakalo and Draco or my Agobo Akum. Like it, we go through seven Seven names. That's like that's our thing. My your kids, identity. It's yeah, the my, dopest shit. Yeah, that's my, your identity. Yeah, and my kid is gonna have eight. There's gonna that's have your nine, identity. You know? And yes, my ancestors just... pretended to be Italian or Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted some identity, they right? Wanted they... Some, they, we hid in the woods. We're like, no, we just a little olive skin because we're Italian. <laughs> but I'll tell you this though. I think that for being a first generation American, knowing my identity, it was very different growing up around other black people. Sure. Because, um, because it's almost like I wasn't black enough. For sure. And so there would be there would be tons of times where I was thought of as lame. I was thought of as, as whatever. Thankfully, now as I'm older, I've been more, way able to connect with with black people all the time. But like, I was for real lame just because I you was were like, rejected. I was because you were different. Yeah, I mean, like right? summers, my dad. You were unfamiliar. Yeah, it was unfamiliar. Yeah, my dad made us. They made us study two hours every day every summer. Right. Because they the knew, they know. Yeah, two hours every day. Go read something. You know, go. He would take us to the library. Literally drops off to the library, and just I just I became borderline just too obsessed with military history because that's what I read. That was the fun stuff. So I just read about history, all kinds of different theories, like everything. That's that was my that was my thing. Okay. But then whenever, whenever when I get back to school. Dad also wanted us to because he, on when he was on campus, he was teaching everyone we're all together, you know, cultural mm -hmm. diversity, all this stuff. And he's like, use that same thing that I've taught you in high school. And it was like, no, nah, it wasn't the same. So they had they had different programs where they would get black people to get together mm -hmm. and go and do things and learn about the history. And when I remember when we went to Detroit and you know we they we uh, they took us to like the underground railroad areas. Like I did, I was like this. People were sad and emotional, and I was just like, 
You didn't connect to that. I didn't get that it. That wasn't your story. Yeah, it wasn't my and story. And you knew a different history. Yes, I knew a rich history. You knew, knew the real history. history, right? Yes. You knew the true story and like from a different lens. And in my head, I'm like, you guys don't get happy but about this. But think about how depressing that is. <laughs> yeah. Like, this, oh, this is, this is who you learned. And that's what I say yeah. to kids now. Like, they, you're telling me that my people, like, all got enslaved and, and we didn't do anything. And that's why I tell yeah. students when I teach. I'm like, do y'all know about the revolts? Do yes. y'all know that really, when we talk about white Lincoln, why we ended slavery is because white motherfuckers got scared because yeah. it was about to go down. Like it was about to go down, and yes. really they like these black people about to tear some shit up, yes. and we better end this. Like what if, if I told black people that that's really what ended slavery? This man wasn't up here like, oh, it's just wrong. You all because he got his own slaves. Yeah, he wasn't he, just like, oh, you. we really need. There was an economic part to it. There was money to it, yes, but really yes. when it came down to it, is y'all ass is about to get it. Like yeah. it's about to go down. <laughs> yes. Like it's been too many uprisings, right? Yes. So if your story came out, if you knew your story was like, oh, we burned some shit down, yeah. and that's why they stopped doing that? Yes. We're right? like, we're, and we are romanticizing warriors. The, romanticizing the wrong shit. Yes. Well, and, the, and, and the fact the fact that, in, in a way, and I'm not shitting on Black History Month, but the fact that there is a Black History Month when it's all is, yes. is an indictment. And see, that's the part yes. where we have to battle with this back and forth. It's kind of like... For some people, that's the only time they're going to hear this because we know in the school still today. And don't worry, you are where this still going down where yes. my son is not black enough for the black kids. Yeah. You want to know these black girls laughing at him, talking about he act like a white boy because he liked the He in advanced classes. He yeah. that. You know what he said to them? He was like, I bet you I know more about black history than you do. Yeah. Like because his my mama teaches yes. him that. It However, she's ignorant to think that he's not black enough because he doesn't oh, he doesn't curse. They call yeah. him child of God because yeah. he don't curse. So now that's his nickname. <laughs> you know what I'm they say they call him child of God. That's the joke there. That'll be a good thing right. when he gets up. You know, like he don't curse and all of that. But it, the truth is it's like it's different. Yes. It's different. And but then he's being taught who he is. Yes. So you don't they don't know who they are. Yeah, and so it was funny that whenever and not funny but whenever my my dad started um he started doing a lot of research on figuring out the the exact trade route so he wrote a book called from from freedom to freedom mm -hmm. and and going through and and mapping that out before that book before his concepts of all that i used to tell people when i would get made fun of by by other black people i would say like hey i, I know where my name is you know where mm -hmm. my name comes from at yeah. least i know where i am it's like your last name's not really smith Right. And after, you know, after. It's real. Yeah. And after uh, reading, you know, my dad's stories and all that kind of stuff, I was mm -hmm. like, oh, man, that was a dick move. I shouldn't have, you know, mm -hmm. I shouldn't have said that kind of stuff. So that mm -hmm. really made me want to try and connect more and try and figure out, you know, what can I do? But there, I mean, there's just it's it's something that I feel like I'm always going to have to to deal with. And it was it also too my, my wife is white mm -hmm. and it's it's really crazy because. She reminds me more of my Nigerian mother mm. than than like a lot of black girls would. Mm. I mean, they're they're like the same person, you mm -hmm. know. You know, it's uh, and thank God she she loves eating Nigerian food. You know what I'm saying? She's all it she's is all, fire though. She, to be yeah, fair. It's, Nigerian it's fire. food is yeah, the jam. Fire, uh, but it's really cool being able like there's so many different elements of of my life that I'm having to sort of mm -hmm. joust with and, mm -hmm. and try and balance and, and also the culture it's very very different mm -hmm. because it's it's a very male dominated mm -hmm. culture mm -hmm. and um 
not not it, i mean there's some houses where dude's like beating on his you know on his wife but you know it's what i'm real. saying it's, but it's, it's real it's yeah. real and even just that idea like how people talk about the black guy and the white girl and how you know there's this perception that the black woman ain't having it like you're not gonna dominate you know like yeah. all of that kind yeah. of stuff yeah. like it's so it's all this context it's so many it's things. all these variables so all these things. factors and it's like we can look and explore and explore all of them yes. and just look at it for what it is we ain't got to get upset yeah you don't have to evaluate it it's just what it is. Isn't that to be I want to evaluate that, so what, much. But, I that's, science. but that's that's the point. And, yeah. and that's the most beautiful thing is the idea that we could all sit down, have an honest conversation, the the whitest human being on the planet that's ignorant, that's well intentioned, and give them the pass to say what they think yes. so that we can figure out where the disparity is. Mm-hmm. Because as it stands right now, the smile and the soft talking mm-hmm. is an impediment. That's a yes. wall that's mm-hmm. put up. It's killing all of us. Yeah. It's killing all of us. I want to make sure when I say evaluate, I'm saying we don't have to put a good or bad on it. Oh, I see. I yeah, see. Yeah, we don't have to say this is good or this is bad. Okay. Context- contextually, some things can be good and some things can be bad. And mm-hmm. I try to teach my students that. So I like to go to the beach and I like to wear a two-piece. Mm-hmm. That's Contextually, it's okay on the beach. But when I go, so it's good. But when I go into the classroom, I can't wear my two-piece in the class, right? Sure. So contextually, we can talk about all these things, but we can remove this good or bad, or we can say, like, in this in this system or environment, yeah, that does work out a little better. It works out a little better for me to be on a beach with my two-piece. Science. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> so hey, that, that's it. So we don't have to, but we so quickly jump to this good and bad if it's different. D- yeah. Different does not equate to deficient. Yeah. Right? So. Okay. I, now that you said that, when you were talking about context and you were talking about a two-piece on the beach and all this other stuff, I also think of, okay, what about that that white friend that hangs out with all his black friends and he's like, he's like, what up, nigga? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. where does that, here, I'll, I'll give you my my stance on it. Look, I do, because I do have some friends that are, they're, they're comfortable enough with me and other black people where it's just like, I'll, I'm like, all right, if you're singing or something like that, it comes up or whatever, we're talking, but if we're in public, and, and you and someone wants to beat your ass, like I cannot have your back. Mm-hmm. I cannot have your back at all. Mm-hmm. And and I've been in areas, not even in my group of friends, where like I'll see one white guy hanging out with a bunch of black dudes, and they're 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 saying back and forth to each other. Mm-hmm. How do we sort of? But can we accept that like things change and shift in the value? Thank you. So yes. can we accept that? For example, um, for me personally, I'm not comfortable with using that word sure. back and forth. Um, I know most people when I have a lot of friends would be like, nigga, that's a friend. Like, yeah. and, and the meaning behind that word. For example, the current generation of women, they love calling each other bitches. <laughs> I know. I don't want to play with you. With <laughs> I don't No, No, it's thank like, you. I don't think you're No, a thank you. Yeah. I, if that's what y'all do, that's good. Yeah. But no, we not bitch, bitch. No, we're not doing that. Yes. So it's like, can we accept that? That's. That is, but we also got to know the meaning behind it of how if somebody experiences it, it differently. Yes. So you got to know if you want to play with that word and it means something in this social environment, just know you might walk up, you know, down. You and, might get and your ass. You, you got a freedom of speech, yeah, but right. you ain't free from the repercussions yeah, exactly. of that shit. And, yes. that, and, and leave it at that. That's just like, I don't, I don't play the bitch word. Yeah. Like, we're not going to play or like that. Or in yeah. Australia, you can throw cunt around yes, like it's can. nothing. Like it's and nothing. in yes, here, that's a bad <laughs> motherfucking yeah. word. Yeah, same yes. for boy. You so know, can we be okay in, with that? Yeah, growing but, in the South, when we call each other boy all the time, mm-hmm. like we said that, I mean, growing up, 
white people call black people boy what black people call white people boy be like what's mm-hmm. up boy you know what i'm saying they mm-hmm. say, say like if we're playing ball and we're and you know that comes out like boy you can't guard me I, like man. stuff like Look, that i'll be honest with you even though i have earl kilborn as my father yeah yeah i didn't grow up hearing the word never what, never boy no, nigga oh, i never no. i never even grew up hearing it yeah but it, it earl kilborn is my daddy I still cringe probably more than you do yeah. when I hear a Boy. white a white person say yeah. yes yeah. I do I swear because I'm like oh yeah no, I mean no, I, no, I still no truthfully I'm just I still cringe a little bit I'm just like ugh. oh that's that's uh. because one it, a lot of times it's like you're trying you're trying too hard you're trying that's real what, hard that's man. what I want to say is like bro you're you're trying just like, use we bro. don't even we don't, we don't yeah. or it's, really we don't have to say it or like, we don't have no to. no or it's like it's a and then I was talking to him about it because you've had the the uncomfortable conversation, the drunk conversation with the yes. white friend about the word. Yeah, and it's like kind of dipping the toe. In and the they, water you know, it's just to like, see, hey man, like how much social capital do I? Yeah, have they, they preps person? it like, you know, you're my best friend. You know, like, <laughs> I, you know, I'll do anything for you, man. But why? Why can't? Why can why you can say you it? Why can you say it to each other? But I can't say. <laughs> but it. I can't say it. Mm-hmm. So how? How do you, obviously, I think I know your stance. You're like, I just don't use it, period. And I, I'm not comfortable around people who do. Yeah. I, well, I would prefer, like, I'm like, I'm good. I don't need to be around that. Like, yeah. I mean, we all, I'm in control of me. Yeah. And I'm too old to be somewhere where I don't want to be. Yeah. If I don't want to be there and I don't enjoy it, I can get up and, and leave. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we get to take responsibility for what's comfortable. I don't have to get angry at you, mm-hmm. but that's not something that I'm going to engage in. Do you think that all that, whether it's bitch or if it's anything, do you think that that is perpetuating a bigger problem within the black community? I think that it is connected to identity. Okay. I mean, even when you were talking about like how you grew up and I think about like the black family before um, the civil rights movement. I think about the black family before desegregation and how while there was this intention of like getting equitable like resources, there was also an intentional act of like poisoning the mind of black people. Hmm. So I think that that's all. I think like our culture and context, you think about the music, you think about the stuff that's promoted and put out there. It's still poison and people don't want to admit it, but you are what you eat. You are what you're listening to. You are the conversations that you're a part of. Mm-hmm. And so you participate in that, then that's what you're going to be. You participate in a bunch of bullshit. You're going to be full of a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Right. Do you allow your kids and stuff like to listen to rap and so, everything like that? So really in the end, I teach them so that when they get old enough, you make that decision about how you feel about okay. that. So for example, my son, he doesn't, he loves rap music, but he always goes after the clean version, clean version. which he that's him right now. My girls, they'll listen to all kind of and one is one daughter is a junior in college at mm-hmm. Center College and then one is a junior. Hey, Center College. <laughs> Shout out to Center. I, I don't know. It's a Harvard of the South. It is a Harvard of the South. And, and hey, talking about socialization, that chick really thinks she better than other people. <laughs> She'd be like, I can't go to Western, you know, like yeah. I go to Center. Right? Yeah. Anyway, right. Like, you know, but anyway, that's the social is And I tell her that sometimes. I'm like, do you realize? Like, anyway, but <laughs> it's real. But yeah. she has to decide where you're comfortable. Because, I mean, I, I grew up listening. When I was growing up through high school, NWA, too short. Yes. You know, like, think about, and then getting into Biggie and all that. And I loved it. Yes. I loved it. But I also wasn't comfortable with some of the stuff that they said. And I, but I feel like I had an awareness to where I was like, uh, like, that's not good with me or I can stop it because it don't feel good after so much. Right. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's just a matter of like 
for my kids, I want them to grow up and be able to decide what's good for them and what's not good for them. Would you think that they're going to be prepared when they get around uh, other black people? Because I don't know where they go to school or anything mm-hmm. like that. Are, are they around other? So you want to know what's crazy? They what's... they experienced the same thing I experienced when I was in high school. And really? this is the, and y'all, I graduated from high school in 93. Uh-huh. My daughters originally started off at Bowling Green in all advanced classes, probably one of the only students of color. That's a challenge in itself. That sure. was my life. Yeah. That was my life. Um, when want to engage with the students of color. And a lot of times we know that a lot of it has to do with socioeconomic status. So from a lower socioeconomic status, your value, the way you look at the world is fundamentally different. So they're clearly growing up. My kids are growing up with a two parents that have had formal education yes. and some, some access, right? Mm-hmm. So now they want to engage, but our conversation, their conversations are different. So they like, mom, we want to hang with the black girls, but dang, they mad. You know, like we walk past them. It's just what yeah. it is. It ain't, it ain't, you know, she, and it's only a few who come from a context that they come from. So it's not a criticism. Like they want to be with these girls, but like you said, they weren't welcoming you. No. They're like, you acting too white over there. Yeah. Right? And then my pale ass grew up Jehovah's Witness and yeah. somewhat racially ambiguous and black people were the only ones that really showed me Any love, love. On, like, on a regular basis. They were just like, well, that's cool. Yeah. And, and that's a hard thing because I got it from both sides too. But it was huh. like I had to be, for to be with the black girls, I had to show a little bit of like attitude. And to be with the white girl, it was kind of like this. It's a whole nother. White girls still make me uncomfortable like they're going to tell on me. I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) I swear. If you guys guys could see what she's doing. I swear. To this day, I'm like, oh, I better be careful. I try to to be, I try to think about that overall, y'all. Because I tell, I tell, because I have. I have so many, I, I love, and I'm so passionate about people, and I love my white female students. I mean, I really feel them as my children, and my black female students, and all my students, but I understand the context that all of them grew up in. For my white female students, I say, you are socialized to be a checklist living Becky. Like, your your whole life, no, I'm serious. So you Brandon, are taught, so Brandon's a checklist Becky. You are taught to... You know, show up, and they, they it's so it's so tip, it's so predictable how they show up. You have this checklist. You need to go down this list. You do this thing. You do this thing. You do this thing, and that's what will give you the good life. And you focus on like they love to talk about their dogs. They love uh, to talk about you or know, horses. Like, yeah. So, so, but but this is the truth. And you're taught to like to to report and tell on us or to to show up where you know what's right and other people and and look at other people and see what's wrong with them. And I, I, I'm, I feel sad for them. But the one thing they're not allowed to do, they can't use their voice because if they do, they're a bitch, right? Mm. As, a, as white female. Like, they have their struggles, too. Yeah. And I tell them that. And That's I understand true. your struggles. Mm. Like, they can't use their voice. So they, right here, that whole throat chakra is just, like, locked. They don't get to use their voice. So it kind of acts out in different ways. And then I have my black females who, first of all, don't nobody care about the black woman. Ain't nobody thinking about you. You are not valued in any environment that you walk into. Mm-hmm. The, the black man don't love you. The white man don't love you. Don't, the bl- white women don't love you. The black women don't love you. Nobody loves you, Ooh, right? I love y'all. <laughs> so, but this is the thing. Like, nobody loves a black woman, but then everybody loves the black man. Yeah. The 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 white woman loves the black man. The black the black woman loves the black man. The black man loves the black man. Yeah. You know everybody loves the black man. The white male who feels threatened by the black man loves the black man when he can entertain when and bring reason. Yes. Right, but he does not love him for his ability and what he can do. Mm-hmm. Right, because he so then he's a threat. So 
Well, and we we had an episode on uh, what is it tokenism versus yes, to- novelty. I was going to ask you do you do you walk around or do you feel that they kind of see you as like the to- like there is tokenism or novelty status with Doctor Die on campus in the, in the psychology department or anything like that. I I just think that oh, that's that's like is it a token as far as like we have her here? Yes, that, that's a good thing. Is or it? we've met our we've met our so I so. When a white female has a relationship with a black female and it's real good and it feels good to them, they feel like they've arrived. Like, I'm not racist because I'm, I'm really <laughs> yeah, clicking with yeah, her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm clicking with her and we can really talk about things. Like, so that means I. You're really I not get racist it. when you can have an argument and still right. love each yeah. other. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, we're real. still sisters. Yeah. So that, and that's what we're still, and we're still sisters and we still get along. So I just think, like, there's just so many variables with that as far as like how somebody experiences. Or do I experience as the token black person or, you know, how I show up and how they perceive me? It's just so many things, so yeah. many variables well, and, with and, that. And, and ra- even in our lifetimes, racial ambiguity oh, has yeah. proliferated. It changes. And, and it's and just, yeah, over it's the next, always moving. Right. Mm-hmm. And over the next 50 years. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. going to be There's going to be a lot more people that are like it's residing in the moving. spectrum of like mm-hmm. us yeah, and Brandon and shit. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. How... I would imagine you probably, I know you deal with this code switching. Yeah. What is that like for you? So once upon a time, so I'm 43 now, about mm-hmm. to be 44. So clearly my whole life has been code switching. I told you all, I live in these two worlds. Mm. Um, this black world and this white world, this Baptist, this Catholic, you know, I live in these two worlds. So code switching is a story of my life. Like mm-hmm. I know how to do it. But then as I got further into my adult life, especially closer towards my 40s, you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be me. Mm. Like, like seriously, when I go into my classrooms, I know who I am genuinely and I like who I am and I'm not going to pretend anymore or try to show up in a way that makes you comfortable. Mm. All I know is that I bring my best self and I bring love when I come. So I'm not doing that anymore. And I don't, and I won't like, it's just like, you know what? I give you my whole self. I'm transparent and clear. And what you do with that, that's between you and your maker. But I had to arrive at that. I wasn't always there. What was that? What was it like before you got there? Oh, it was easy. Um, like like I said, being in classes where I remember as a little girl, I was a third grader. I was at an all-white school. Segregation had just happened. I remember them talking about the kids that were going to get transferred to the, the gifted school. And I was one of, I qualified academically, but I was a black child. And I didn't, I was, I remember hearing some teachers talking about she's at risk, right? Holy I remember shit. hearing that, that because I'm at risk, that I wouldn't have that same access or opportunity. I remember hearing teachers talking about it. And I remember thinking like, I'll be damned if you ever, ever, ever see me slip academically. Like I'm going to always bring it. So I was always top of my class, always putting, because I'm like, oh, I got to prove to y'all. Yeah. Like you got, that's that's wrong. Mm. So that to me was code switching, like always showing up, showing that I am as intellectually competent as everybody else in this room, mm-hmm. right? Th- to me, that was code switching. Yeah. And even through my academic life, I just felt like I'm always like proving that. Like you all, like it's not white people that are smart. Hmm. So that to me was code switching and going back and forth. But of course, going between the two worlds in my black world, they call me um, because I'm light skinned, white girl, honky, um, ghost, you know, all of that. And then the white world, oh my gosh, like um, Oreo, Casper, no Casper, Uh, that's what it was. Oreo. And then in the white world, it was like this black girl. I mean, I was just, it's just problems on both sides. Yeah. So. The code switching has been like in my life. So you felt, have you ever felt not black enough or not white enough before? I guess, oh, I've never felt white. 
Like okay. I've never been invited to identify as a white person. I don't okay. know. When they were like, I can't even imagine. But I can't like, even you... imagine like, could where could I say I am white or like, I don't know. Like I can say I'm a black girl. Okay. Like I feel like my mama black. Yeah. But I don't know where I could say or somebody could perceive me as being white. Hmm. So I never ever like I never thought about that as an option. Isn't that yeah. crazy? It's never been an option for me. Um, what so, about your What about your children? My kids, how do they identify? Yeah, I think they pretty. And, and Rob is biracial too. Sure, yeah. but that wasn't by design. Or anything. <laughs> that was by design. I'm gonna tell you why. Like, we no, I'm gonna tell you why. Uh-uh. All my life, I love a dark skinned brother. Like I've always been like, he chocolate. He chocolate, yes. Like, yeah. all my life. Like, I don't, that was not by design. If I was you, if I saw her, I'd be like, well, looks like I won here. here we go. He, he knows that. You know, my kids know it. My, I remember Robbie said one time, there was some, we were in Florida, and there were some little, just beautiful chocolate babies. He's like, look, mom, your favorite kids are over there. Because <laughs> oh, I oh, love man. chocolate. Like, yeah. I just, and I, I used to pray to God that I would wake up and be dark skinned. Like, that was a real thing. I'd be waking up oh, like, oh, damn. I'm like, just oh, <laughs> Golly. But my kids, I, I think that they, like, they go through this thing of, like, am I biracial? Like, people experience me as biracial or am I black? But really, when they come down to it, we black. Yeah. Like, that's what you're going to think. That's how you see me, and that's how I feel good. And I love black culture, and they love being black. Like, yeah. I love being black. I don't have any resistance to it, so. Sure. Okay. So, my, my final question is, what does Black History Month mean to you? Oh, I just <laughs> think it's a time for people who... Like, I think black people as a whole don't know their greatness and don't know their potential and don't know how to show up in that. So it's kind of like this little, I don't know, a little time to like say, hey, y'all, look, look at what we've done. Here's why I don't think it's that important. Because okay. I think yeah. this is what I think when it come down to it, just like when you brought up the Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. We can show up with these little in the mood things. But until we like keep it like consistency and stay strong and stand in that. Over time, like nothing's going to change. Mm. So that to me is what black history is. No, I want to talk about this every day. Mm. You know, not just like, oh, let's like really highlight what black people are doing right now. Let's highlight that that shit every day. Yeah. So it's like I appreciate the learning and just kind of the exposure of it all. But it's just like a it's just like it, it's, it's surface, you know, it's superficial. It's not anything. Yeah. It doesn't really mean anything. And I think that just it's funny. I think that in. In March, it's like you hit the reset button because more black people are celebrating St. Patrick's Day than they are Black History Month. But that, but but see, that's the thing where we can't like the evaluation of it is like really that's a part of the Amer the larger culture of the U.S. I guess maybe for me because I've been, I, it's been drilled in my head. You're Nigerian. You're this. You're this. When I see St. Patrick's but, but, Day, I'm like, but I why? Think this is a good opportunity to let white folks know. Even even well-intentioned white people will be like, well, how come you can be proud to be black, but you can't be proud to be white? It's because black is synonymous with something very specific in the mm -hmm. United States, being right. African-American. Right. It's a very specific thing. Because it's, over 90% of the slaves came from Nigeria. Oh, yeah. That's and and, the and then there, there's this amalgam of indigenous and, and Caucasian blood that's, yes. uh, that's intermingled in there. It's a very specific group of individuals. Nobody's tripping if you're proud to be Irish. Hmm. Nobody's tripping if you're proud, proud. to be Russian. Nobody or... cares. But if you're proud to be white for the sake of being white, you're essentially just saying that you're proud that you're not brown. Sure. Mm. 
essentially. Because white, I mean, that's that's identification with the power class. That's the mm-hmm. difference. If you say you're proud to be black, it's not just superficially because you're black. It, it carries with it a mm-hmm. litany of things. Mm. White. A liberation. Absolutely. Yes. A voice. It carries with it like you no longer will tell me who I am and how I need to be and how I have to show up. Right. Like, and, and then white is simply the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. Like there's not... What what is the the cultural element right. of that other than uh, again and I'm not shit on white people but colonialism right. and domination right. and I tell you know I tell a lot of my white friends like take take that effort to make that extra step and figure out where it is that you come from yeah. look it's not it's not here do, do you twenty three but that's hard to do with privilege y'all like I mean if sure. you think about it, and I teach that in my <laughs> classes we're all privileged I'm mm. an able bodied person. Mm-hmm. But I'm not constantly looking around for a ramp to make sure that right. I can walk up. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not aware of that. So with our privilege, it takes a lot of work to see, you know, where, you know, we don't have like all access to. Because as an able-bodied person, think about it. We're not just sitting and thinking about like, are there ramps here? Or is there a chair here that I sure. can make sure Absolutely. I fit? You know, so. Huh. So how do we sort of get people to have that awareness, to be interested in wanting to know where they come from? To me, I think it's all about relationship. Like okay. everything to me, growth is all about relationship. Every conversation I have with people and how it changes the brain and, and teaches the brain. But once I get to know you and know your story and know like some things you go through, then I become interested in like, oh, well, like a person who isn't an able-bodied person. Like, damn, that's a challenge for them. Let me notice that too. You know what I'm saying? Ah. But as far as people and knowing where they come from, mm-hmm. um, here's the reason why I think like a lot of black people stay where they are. Because they're still just trying to make it. Mm-hmm. And it ain't they fault that they're just trying to make it. They really are just trying to live. So it's a luxury for that I can, because I'm not just trying to make it. I'm not working two jobs trying to pay my rent. Mm. But it's a luxury that I can think about other things besides like how I'm going to feed my kids tonight. And if your brain is just in survival mode, you don't, those things aren't even accessible, right? So we got to like, we got to like reckon with some of that stuff, like historically and just the systemic stuff. We got to reckon with it, but ain't nobody going to reckon with it until the people who have the resources or who have power reckon with it. Hmm. Stern compassion, like yeah. stern compassion. And, and I find it, we, we talk about it all the time on uh, social media, the echo chambers that people develop. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't necessarily agree with them, they're liable to just delete them. Yeah. And that echo chamber just gets more and more condensed. Well, the same thing happens in our personal lives. Yeah. So, like you said, relationships with people that you otherwise mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily go out of your way to have a relationship with. Hmm. But, but it, it, it gets tiring though. It, it is, is exhausting. It's exhausting when you're the person that, like I said about the black female, right. like I got to learn all of you, but you don't have to learn me. But if, what if you took the initiative to say, I need to start learning about the black female. Like, what if you said, I want to study the black female because the black female has to study you and everybody else. But what huh. if, you know what I mean? What yeah. if somebody else said, I need to start studying that people group? Like, for example, I don't have, I'm not from Latin background, but I just did a study with the situation with undocumented immigrants and those of Latino and um, uh, Central America and all that. Like, I want to know them as a people and know their struggle and do something about it, even though that's not my background. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we got to take responsibility to say, like, get out of your narcissistic self. And, yes. Like, think about the big picture. Ownership. Mm-hmm. Absolute ownership. Uh, before we end, do we have any sort of shout outs or anything like that? We do a thing called shameless shout outs. If there's any person that you want to say, 
you know, hello, goodbye, go to hell, whatever. Do you have any people that you want to? <laughs> yeah, dead serious. If you got, yeah, you can't listen go to hell. I want to yeah. hear your shout outs. Uh-huh. I want to well, hear your We're going to give a uh, shout out to Tyler Young yes. and Grade 8 Performance. Mm-hmm. He's hit the ground running. He's got some. Uh, He's got some. He's got some clients now. Yeah, huh? he's already got some clients That's on board, awesome. man. I'm so he's proud of him. Ground running on that, so he's going to be pretty comprehensive, uh, teaching people uh, overall competency with self defense, strength training, um, weapons training, prepping, all yes. kinds of stuff. Awesome, and his awesome. prices are super reasonable. Yes. So hit him up. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Ryan Hines at CEO, CEO underscore Oxology Labs on social media. Uh, really solid pre workout. He's wearing your supplement. hoodie right now. Buddy. I am wearing your hoodie right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for great workout supplements. Guys, if you want to, uh, and I'm not even just plugging this to to sound corny or whatever, but if you do want to take your workouts to a, to a whole nother level, I'm a big fan of uh, Oxology Labs. Um, his formula is really solid because you can uh, tune it to whatever type of workout that you want. So for me, uh, a lot of times I like to work, if I'm if I t- am in town and I may be in the office and I'm going to lift during my lunch break or something like that, I may want to scale back on some of the arginine and some of the other things that will make my skin tingle when I get back. So because of that, I can actually tune my supplement to make sure that when I'm done with my workout, I get the best workout and I don't feel like I have to lift a planet once I leave. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And, and, I, a, and I leave out the caffeine a lot of yeah. times because, you know, I can't be having all that caffeine. And exactly. Stuff. So, I mean, it's tailor made to the individual. Yes. Uh, so I'm a big fan of that supplement. Also want to give another shout to uh, Josh Biggs at uh, Fuel Nutrition. Very proud of you guys for the work that you guys have been doing, making tailor-made work, uh, not workouts, uh, meals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, super, super tasty food. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, man. it's really good food. Uh, all your macros are written on the containers. So for those of you who are really trying to take control of your diet and make better decisions, go over there. If you have an idea of what your macros need to be, you can go into that shop and pick each of the meals that fit your macros. And it doesn't get than, any simpler than that. They're more than willing to help. Too. Absolutely. Tell me about that one meal that you had, your cheat uh, meal. Oh, yeah. So on, I don't know if they're doing it on every Friday, but um, it may not be every Friday. Maybe a once-a-month thing. But they had a cheat meal Friday where um, if you wanted to get carb-wasted, this is the way to do it. I mean, it was a... It was a double bacon cheeseburger with macaroni and cheese on top of it. Slut. I, it was a super, it, dude. It was a, it was the most slutty meal I've ever had in a long time. And then, and then you had some beautiful steak fries. And so, uh, it was, uh, it was really. I didn't eat the fries that day because I was like, okay, this is, this is too much, you know. And and I wasn't lifting that day, so I had to tone back on the carbs. But, um. They're really, they're really flavorful. They're really good, and they're affordably priced. So I'm a really big fan Look, of what Josh is doing. I, I just thought of something. What was I, that? I, we were, we are remiss. Mm-hmm. Brandon, what does Black History Month mean to you? Oh yeah, we've been talking. Oh. <laughs> the only motherfucker in the room, both yeah. his parents, is both African American. Yeah, they are. and we we just ignoring the hell out of him. I'm sorry, Brandon. <laughs> oh no, 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 it's all good. Uh, um, well, I mean, my history with it's a little weird because, I mean, I grew up in a primarily white school. So, I mean, they dedicated that month in elementary school to talk about it. And yeah, it was just for you. It was just for me. So, was it like uh, when – did you get the same experience as I did whenever um, they would ha- – in Black History Month or when they're talking slavery in, uh, in history class, everyone's just looking at you like, hey – did they do that to you? <laughs> Were they like, but is Cree okay? Did the teacher ever pull you outside before she started to teach and say, are, are you going to be okay? No. Oh, no. Yes. I was young. And I was just like, yeah, sure, I picture whatever. you with like yeah, little Oshkosh overalls. Yeah, she's on. like, well, <laughs> Amistad? Okay. Like, I, 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 
Oh god. Do I get to play with the blocks? Now? I just yeah. want a fruit cup. <laughs> Dude, that's that sucks, man. That sucks really bad. See, I went to Glasgow, man. We, yeah, you it, guys was, were, it was it yeah. was everybody was just pretty yeah. cool with Glasgow. Do you have any shout outs? Uh, still Ryan's fatted calf. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah. Do you do you shop at Ryan's fatted calf? She's a vegan. Oh God, I'm so sorry. God. Um, it's okay. Huh? I'm re- okay. Yeah, I'm sure you. It doesn't do that, offend like, me. Like it's okay. It's like, oh, this this interview. I'm over. really sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not. Don't don't apologize. It's like you're gonna die in forty. I'm alright. one less than you. You don't even that. know what you're doing. <laughs> all right, I, I do love Ryan's fatted calf. <laughs> I just cover your ears. Doctor Die, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but uh, oh, shout I'm out just, to Powerhouse too. Yeah, shout out to Powerhouse too. Uh, oh, now I just feel terrible. I've got nothing else, man. All right, oh, got- and, and let me also give a shout out to uh, Terrell White. He's trying to get his little fitness thing. Oh, is his he? little fitness hustle going? Yeah, that's what's he's up. on IG and he's blowing up. It's a uh, weights lift me. TW. Okay, okay. So and y'all then, follow him on IG because he's he's gearing up to do some big things in bodybuilding and physique. Same for Bartley Weaver. Oh, Bartley. Bartley. Shout out to Bartley so, uh, and shout out to Chef Rush at the White yes, House. Yes, for re- thanks for, uh, yeah, for that repost. That us. was awesome. That was really crazy. Uh, to give you some context, he's this giant man. I mean, his like, arms is bigger than my yeah, legs. Yeah, they're like huge. And so was, we we were joking on Bartley because he, he talks with country accent and everything. And so when... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't even, no, I'm not gonna he, do it. No, he met he met uh, Chef Rush. Yeah, and he was like, he's a big man, black dude. He's, look, yeah, and, and, and the way that he was eyeing him, it was hilarious because he was like, man, look at this boy. Oh, right look at the size of him. Oh he's my like, god, he's been eating that good chicken, and we made fun of it on the <laughs> yeah, podcast. It was, and then Chef Rush yeah, was real should, cool about the yeah. whole thing. So the White House chef put us on. Yeah, it was yeah. tight. That was really cool. Um, I've got nothing else, but I do want to thank you guys for your time and for listening to this episode. Uh, we're going to continue. I mean, this is going to be this is going to be hard to follow, man, because this is probably my favorite episode. Yeah, um, it's a good truthfully, one. Black History Month is is something that I've wanted to try and start paying more attention to. You know, it's a. Uh, it's something that all you see is in the the McDonald's commercials. You know, it's like, oh, they're putting Martin Luther King on a cup. You know what I mean? Or it's 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 become one of those things where it's just so commercial now that it's kind of losing its its meaning. And uh, so I want to. Tr- this is why I was really driven to try and get people that I really respected and I'm very and I think they're very interesting to come on to this episode or to come onto our podcast and talk about this kind of stuff. I want people black, white, whatever, to be able to talk about Black History Month. You know, we, we've we said it before and we'll say it again. The Salumist, it's, it's built on that tagline that everyone loves sausage, but no one wants to see it made. When you're talking about race, when you're talking about identity, it is like making sausage. It's gross sometimes. It's gritty. But I'm telling you, the end product is something worth going through the grind for. And that's what I'm really, really excited about. So for better or for worse, if we're saying anything shitty or out of line or whatever, we will be the ones to burn at the stake if it means that you guys are interested in thinking and feeling. Because we are in a time right now where that's just lacking these days. Yeah, and, and I'll, yes, we were more than willing to walk some shit back. But yes. also, if you come at us sideways with some arbitrary shit, you can kiss my ass. Yeah, yeah. All, like, <laughs> you can he kiss my that That's Chris, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he says the things that I want to really say, you know. But, uh, but again, thank you guys so much for your time and attention. Uh, follow us on Instagram. That's at The Salumist. Go to our website, www.thesalumist.com. If you want to just listen to the podcast on the website, just add a slash podcast on there. The apparel store is up. We've got some all cool the snapbacks. Is yeah, dope. The snapbacks, got yeah, one I've on got right one now. On. I'm a big, big fan of those. Uh, 
We have some shirts coming. Uh, we're working on another uh, oh. another campaign. I've been Yo, talking I... with an artist, yeah. and uh, so um, I think we're gonna have something really awesome coming soon. I don't want to talk about it just yet, but it's gonna be badass, and uh, hopefully we can use the proceeds that we get from that to benefit something really awesome here in town. Also, February nineteenth. Oh, uh, empty bowls we will all be working at that event uh we'll be serving soup are we just are we just me, lifting? Me, yeah you and i are just gonna be mules we're just gonna be carrying out big old vats of soup yeah and and hopefully fill, filling up the little serving things but yeah uh, yeah we'll we'll be rubbing elbows and yeah. shaking hands kissing babies so really excited about that community engagement opportunity and if any of you guys have any opportunities for us to try and make and an it's impact five or, to eight is I it five think. to eight I think okay on the 19th if any of you guys have any opportunities for us to connect with the community or talk to people or whatever, please just let us know. It's a, you can email us at info at the or you can add us on Instagram or add me or Chris or Brand, not Brandon. Brandon's too quiet. Um, <laughs> I'll smile at you though. He'll smile at real you. Real creepy. Yeah, like, real creepy. Put some green eyes. I know, man. <laughs> My God. But anyway, guys, thanks again. I know I keep saying thanks, but I, I can't thank he you. He really appreciates y'all. Dude, we, no, we hit, no, we hit, uh, we're, we're going to, I feel like in the next, month i think 4, we 000? hit five no we're past four thousand what i think we hit five thousand people saying we have four thousand no no you're telling fallacies man no nah. yeah i think we can hit five thousand uh but you guys are awesome you guys make this possible so i'm out i love you guys anything else for you guys we're out peace